the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, it's a uh, new Monday, a new week, and uh, we're ready to get it underway here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll start off. Ed Monk will join us a little hey, it's later. It's not just a new Monday, a new week. It's a new month. It is a new month. I forgot that. We are into the last month of uh, 2018 now. So um, today we're going to talk a little bit about guns. We'll talk about it from a, uh, uh, a point with uh, Ed Monk. Uh, he's going to share with us uh, information that he's uh, obtained here in the last uh, uh, few weeks and uh, about the Orlando shooting and uh, the Vegas shooting and things of that nature. Uh, Tim Loggins is going to be with us for Patriots of Act 746. He's got an update for us about what's going down in Forest City. Some really crazy stuff has happened since the last time we talked about that with Jan Morgan. Uh, Jan was going to be on today, but not able to do it uh, because she had a load of rubber coming into her gun range. So I'm assuming that's the pour in back of the targets for the back of the the, uh, uh, gun cave there. And she wants to be there when it shows up. And then tomorrow she's got uh, a special class that's going on. And so she won't be here tomorrow. So Jan Morgan out this week, but be back next week, just so uh, you'll be uh, you know, up to date on that. With that all said, and that all cleaned up, and you know what's going on, Ed Monk is here. And Ed, good to see you again. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, well, we, we, uh, we met together, had a little bit of, uh, of lunch together, and I'd been talking to Ed over a couple weeks now. He's... Uh, He's been to some different meetings uh, that he's been pr- uh, privy to information that he uh, didn't have before and had some questions that he had about those shootings because that's a big time. I want to know everything that went down, where per- people were, were uh, you know, guards outside, inside, did they you know, take on the shooter, things of that nature. So let's start off with Orlando and the club there. And uh, what went down, and what was the big question you had had for quite some time? Well, as most people, uh, hopefully most people remember, Orlando was the uh, nightclub shooting where over 100 people were shot, unfortunately. Uh, I knew knew the numbers. What I did not know about this shooting uh, more than most others is I did not know what actually happened inside, especially between the off-duty law enforcement officer who was there paid in uniform to be security, private security for the nightclub. Uh, and there was a person here at this, at this conference that had researched that and that had, that knew that. Um, and what was explained to me was the off duty officer one. Uh, well, let me back up a minute. Uh, may, people may not know that what we know now through a federal case against the shooter's wife is his first choice. The, the first place he actually was planning on doing the shooting was Disney world. 
Wow. Uh, so it, so his wife said, and so the evidence seems to show. But he went there with a doll in a uh, baby carriage uh, to ha- to hide his weapons in. And it, it appears he looked around and there were too many police officers present, so he didn't think that the shooting would last as long as he wanted. So he abandoned that and he went to plan B, which was to go to the nightclub. So he shows up at the nightclub. The officer that's there paid off-duty to be security, his duty car is a unmarked police car. So when the shooter shows up, he does not see a marked police car, so he has no reason to believe there's a police officer there. The police officer that was at the nightclub working private security had observed some young people drinking and that had that were leaving the club, he followed them out to, to investigate whether they were underage or not, and they were. So he stopped them, and he he was writing them a ticket. He was writing them a citation for underage drinking about a half block away from the club, outside the club, as he had followed them out. And that's when the shooter came in and started shooting. The shooter came in first and sat down and had a drink. I guess was scoping out the place, reconning it, if you were. Then he went back and got his weapon and came in and started firing. The off-duty law enforcement officer there for private security heard the shooting, went in the front entrance, which is what he went out uh, to write the citation. Uh, The shooter was on the other side of the dance floor in the patio area. They exchanged shots, and the police officer pulled out uh, what I was told was he felt outgunned because the shooter had a rifle, as they most often do. And so then we left him in there for three hours. So my question is, if that's – they know that – the rifle is the preferred choice of most mass murder shooters. These uh, cops that are working off, I don't know, they're not working as a cop. They're being, you know, hired by these clubs. Is it not possible for them to drive their police cars? I know this gentleman had a, uh undercover car, but don't they carry rifles as well? Can't they use their rifles yeah, but they're they're probably in the car, and and I would I don't know if he had one or not, but I would imagine the club doesn't want the visibility. They they want a uniformed officer standing at the door, around the door, but they don't want a guy with a with a a rifle slung over his chest. They probably don't want that that visual as they come in. I don't know. That might make the the club uh, people feel safer. Well, I remember when I flew to Germany uh, as a young lieutenant in the Army back in 1987, I flew into uh, Frankfurt Airport, and I remember the German police walking around the airport with submachine guns, and I thought, well, I'm glad I don't live in a place where we have to have cops armed like that, and now here I am. Yeah, we're in some of the airports and other places I've been. In New York City, which I go to every year, there's cops walking around in full Helmet, full flak vest, rifles. Battle gear. Yeah. And, um, one of the other things about that that I didn't know about the Orlando Club was five blocks worth of businesses were shut down because of that shooting, and many of them went out of business because they just could not. Their, their their people had to leave and go find other employment because they couldn't put up with you know months and months of unemployment and the businesses of course don't have income if they're not open and so it not just of course had impact on the club but that whole area of the neighborhood uh, because of them shutting down traffic and the investigation that will follow it, it ran a lot of businesses out of business wow yeah I, I had no idea it had that big of an effect in that city that's impressive well I'm not saying impressive in that as in a positive thing but I didn't realize that it had that type of uh, of impact on on the community all right well let's find out what's going on here locally in forest city what do you say yeah tim logan's is on with us and uh, hey tim how are you thanks for joining us today good afternoon dave how are you i'm good i understand from talking to jan 
what has happened in Forest City, nobody would have uh, even guessed would happen. And now that it's happened, uh, good good stuff has come out of uh, the you know this uh, idiocy that went on over there. So why don't you bring us up on all of that? Well, I don't, I don't know if I can say good stuff, Dave. I, I will say transparency, I guess, is, is good in and of itself. Uh, um, Mr. Chadwick had his weapon returned. Uh, Four City PD has partially responded to our FOIA. Uh, we've opened up a dialogue with them, and, and talks are ongoing. Uh, quite honestly, though, we've we've uncovered a lot of concerns uh, with Arkansas Liberty Coalition and Patriots Act 746 with anecdotal tales of misconduct and harassment and false arrest way beyond what Mr. Chadwick, uh, the original false arrest, you know, I even thought about. Um, very concerning, uh, some of the things that we're hearing. Now, I don't have any evidence that it's true, but very, very concerning. Well, evidently, something that I didn't know, and maybe you did before all of this broke, was that Forest City was known as one of the most, uh, you know, toughest cities against against concealed carry or open carry, or in fact, about any kind of carry uh, in the state of Arkansas. Is that right? Uh, we've we at Patriots have been dealing with Four City for some time uh, via Facebook. Uh, we've known their their public stance against weapons for quite some time, so that that didn't come as any surprise to us. Uh, this is the first false arrest that we've heard of, or false charge. Uh, so that was new. That was a new development. But you know, the the harassment, intimidation, and 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 uh, quite honestly, lawlessness. Uh, at this point, I'm really calling upon the Arkansas State Police to open a full investigation into Four City PD. Well, there's there's reasons for that. Let's uh, you know talk about this a little bit because. We found out as Mr. Chadwick's uh, case was 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 ongoing that uh, the police force in Forest City was telling the the citizenry there that they should go to uh, a specific classes taught by Forest City police officers to make sure they got their uh, their their uh, license and things of that nature, which I question if there's not some kind of conflict of interest there well there's a specific arkansas statute that prohibits uh officers from benefiting from their positions and and they were advertising on the actual four city pd facebook when they were having classes and encouraging citizens to go to it but you know my concerns go much deeper than that dave uh we sent three foyers into them they denied the first one uh, come to find out, apparently, Lieutenant Smith um, answered it for himself and then deleted the FOIA request and didn't tell his supervisors that there's a, a that, that's breaking the law. Yeah. Uh, our, second, our second request was handled by a secretary and apparently deleted. Our third was never actually answered that we sent to the uh, mayor. And we now have a fourth one in, as a matter of fact, to the city attorney who said uh, he has no information about this case. Talking through the dialogue that we've developed at this point, we did get a partial release of, of, of the information we requested. Um, but their mishandling of this FOIA request, um, the way they treated, you know, 
Mr. Chadwick other anecdotal claims that we've heard through our investigations about intimidation and stuff. Um, you know, there's no other recourse. The Arkansas State Police needs to look into this department. We've got to develop some type of confidence back in our law enforcement. So have you guys made that, uh, you know, ask that question about the Arkansas police to get involved and how have they uh, responded to it, if so? Uh, we have not officially reached out to them. We have informally reached out. We're going to be making a formal request at, at some point in the future. Um, you know, bottom line is if Forest City PD wants to clear their name and, and, and actually be public servants, they can do that immediately. They can issue a formal apology. They can issue a complete FOIA request. Uh, they can discipline the officer involved in this false arrest, and, and they can come clean. You know, the ball's in their court. There's nothing more we can do but make the request and follow up if they don't. All right, so we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll carry on on our conversation here uh, that we're having right now because it's very, to say that it's uh, concerning is an understatement. Ed, this whole thing concern you is what you're hearing? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, didn't, I didn't know about the FOIA. I'm not that familiar with this case, but I, I was not familiar. Anytime you do not make you know every attempt to respond to FOIA, that's serious, and that ought to be followed up on. Well, Robert Steinbach will be here in the next hour, and we'll talk to him about that. I'm sure we'll have quite a few questions. Tim, if you'll hold on, I'll be back with you in just a moment, all right? Yes, sir. All right. Glad to. Get back with the uh, the folks from uh, Patriots of Act 746. Talk to them a little bit more about Forest City. Jan, Jan Morgan shared some information with me. I think it was on Saturday that she gave me a call, and I talked to her. I want to talk to Tim about that as well. There's still big changes uh, coming and going on at Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics right now. They're still finishing up on the 12th Street location taking it from where they started this business back in the late 80s to now doing a complete much-needed demo and addition and making it a state-of-the-art facility with the latest technology and prosthetics and orthotics. Ladies, if you've had uh, a breast removal or uh, for whatever reason, uh, usually it's because of breast cancer, the folks at Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics are standing ready to help you. They have a particular room now uh, that gives you the privacy and comfort that you need while you're fitted. It's because Hortons prides itself on their patient relationships and taking care of their patients, keeping the patient happy, and it's all their main priority. Remember, six locations with the new updated facility. It's Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy, Hortons Orthotics and Prosthetics, providing a lifetime of support all right we're down to about six minutes left in this half hour and i don't want to keep tim very long because he's got his own life to live and and we want to get back to talking about uh some different things that uh ed learned that he didn't know about santa barbara and about uh the vegas shooting as well i know you'll be interested to hear what he has to say about the the vegas shooting so Tim, let me get back. Jan talked to me and said Forest City is looking to have some kind of, what, a town hall airing out? Uh, is that the, the way to, to assume that this is going to be and that they want to be taught by Jan and things of this nature? What exactly is going on? 
Well, the Arkansas Liberty Coalition and Patriots Back 746 informed uh, Four City Police Department that we would be having a town hall meeting there and invited them to come. Um, it wasn't so much that they volunteered as much as it was we told them we were going to do that. Uh, they have they have agreed to attend the meeting. Uh, they've also agreed in talks with Jan to uh, do a little bit of training on public relations and dealing with the media and transparency. And all of those are good steps, by the way. Um, you know, more needs to be done. But uh, th- those are good first steps. Um, there's still a lot that needs to be done in Forest City. There's there's some things we found out about this Lieutenant Smith in particular. And, you know, again, I don't have evidence directly. Um, there is video evidence of uh, uh, this lieutenant arresting a man in Walmart in Forest City, pulls his gun out and sticks it in his back in the middle of Walmart. And he's still a lieutenant. Um, there's things like that that we've become aware of that someone else needs to look at. Quite honestly, we've, we've called for you know, the formation of a citizens committee, and that hasn't happened yet. And, and, and really the only recourse we have left is Arkansas State Police. Yeah. Um, them going through training, that I, I see that as a good thing, but I don't think you need training to know the, to know to do the right thing. You either know to do the right thing and want to do the right thing or you don't. And being open and responding to Freedom of Information Act request, and I can understand, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Plumbers make mistakes. Doctors make mistakes. Priests make mistakes. Cops make mistakes. When a cop's made a mistake, you identify it. You say, hey, man, honest mistake. Guy didn't know what he was doing. Made a mistake. Didn't know the law. Made a mistake. You know, we fixed it. But if they're covering it up and not responding to Freedom of Information Act and playing tricks, and I don't care how much training they attend, the fact is the heart is the problem. They don't want to do the right thing if that, in fact, is the case. <laughs> Dave, I want to add a a couple things on this for you. You know, they finally gave us the actual copy of the citation and the actual copy of the the dropping of the charges. Right. They're they're telling us there's no emails, uh, there's nothing written, that they had no conversations with the police chief, that there's no body cams, there's no dash cams, there's no... They're basically saying there's two pieces of paper is all that's involved in this. And, And as former law enforcement, I can tell you right now, that just cannot be true. And if it is, they, they really have some, some issues in Forest City. Well, Ed's, Ed's also in law enforcement. Are, yeah, you, I, are you with him? Are uh, you two pieces of paper and that's well, it? Well, I mean, and, and I'm not familiar with this case, but the, the person that was involved that you had on your show, he, you know, he, maybe he recalls whether or not he saw body cameras on them. Of course, they could always say we didn't activate them, but uh, uh, that might be a Freedom of Information Act, and then and if 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 we think that they are in fact not coming true with something that's there, then a lawsuit. P- people that do not follow the law, whether they're a cop or they're not, and especially people that have taken an oath and they're in the public service, if they're not doing the right thing, they have to be held accountable. And that that means suing them if you got to sue them. It means doing whatever you got to do because they'll keep doing it if you don't cause them pain and you don't bring you know turn the light on the roaches. Can't agree more, and that's, that is our next step with Arkansas Liberty Coalition is a lawsuit. Um, we're trying to avoid that. We, we want to give them the opportunity to do the right thing on their own, um, but that's up to them. If they don't, we're going to hold them accountable. And I, I, I always hope that uh, public servants would do the right thing, but when you say that uh, your recourse is going to the state police to try to help with law enforcement mis treating people for open carry with the state police's record on open carry the the legislature had to pass a law 
preventing the state police from revoking, suspending, confiscating licenses for people that were legally open carrying. So they don't have a perfect track record on uh, doing the right thing as far as open carry. they got about 30 seconds. Uh, Tim, what else did you want to mention? Well, I want to be very clear. The, the intimidation and harassment I'm talking about is way beyond uh, gun rights and gun laws. We're talking about intimidation, harassment, false arrest on other issues besides guns. Okay. Um, so, I mean, this is deeper than just, you know, they don't like folks carrying guns in Fort City. All right. Tim, I got to go. I appreciate you calling in. Thanks for bringing us up to date. We'll be in touch. Thanks for having me, Doug. All right. Talk to, you, have, talk to you later. You have a great day as well. Let's get to the news. We'll get back and talk further with Ed Monk. All right. Back with you, Ed Monk, my guest. Last resort firearm training is his business. And I like to have Ed on from time to time because he can shed more light on stories that the news media have moved on from, but there's new information that comes out on many of these uh, mass shootings uh, that sheds more light on the shooting, and one that needs more light because it's like it came to a screeching halt. The uh, investigation is the Vegas uh, investigation. So what new things have you come across, Ed? Well, uh, one of the things they said that the first day, this was the uh, alert conference, advanced law enforcement rapid response training. Uh, it's it's headquartered out of uh, Texas State University, and they put on a, con- a three-day conference every year. Uh, they said because this, if you recall, it was 22,000 people in an outdoor country music festival Correct. on the Strip in Las Vegas. And they said because it was a country music festival, um, there were more off-duty law enforcement, firefighters, EMS, and military veterans there because it was country versus maybe some other venue. And because of that, lives were saved because there were people there attending the conference off-duty that knew that had some previous trauma training. And they said that helped a lot. And they had a they had a medical station there, but it was for boo-boos and ouchies and bee stings, and right, they were not right. equipped for 500 gunshot victims. So victims spread over three and a half miles. Uh, the shooting came from the concert area. The, the Mandalay Bay is, is to the southwest of that, so the, the, the victims went by car and foot and other means to, to the northeast, just spreading out. There were... as. Is is often the case in most active shooters uh, attacks that I I study. There were not. They said at least they documented nineteen false reports of other shooters in the two and a half hours following the actual shooter. Most people at the venue uh, at the concert thought there were multiple shooters. They reported the shots coming from different directions. But the New York, New York, MGM, Tropicana, Excalibur, Caesars, Planet Hollywood, and the airport, which was right next door, all of those places had reports that we have a shooter at this location. So mm. that caused police and, more importantly, ambulances to, to head to places that they didn't need to go. There's two hospitals to the north of the venue uh, that were le- level two hospitals. And then the hospital that would have been best prepared for this, the level one hospital in Vegas, is actually far west of the interstate. So... A doctor was one of the speakers, and he was a doctor at Sunrise Hospital, a private hospital, and they they received 212 of the victims of the Las Vegas shooting, which was the most of any hospital there. Uh, And his presentation was unbelievable, and I'm I'm not a medical professional, Uh, but they saw 212 casualties. Ten of those were dead on arrival when they and they got there by every means: uh, walking, Uber, taxi 
privately owned vehicles, buses, police cars, ambulances, everything. They did 53 surgeries in 24 hours. Now, this is this is after 10 p.m. on a Sunday night, so they're not staffed right. waiting for hundreds of people to come in their door. Right. Uh, in fact, this doctor that gave the presentation was not there, but he got called in. Uh, during the peak, they received the hospital receives anywhere from six to ten gunshot victims a minute. Wow, six to ten a minute gunshot victims. Uh, doctors and nurses. He, what he said was, doctors and nurses without military experience struggled with the with carrying out the concept of triage of prioritizing. And actually looking at somebody and saying, no matter what we do, they're not going to make it. So our limited time and medical professionals and supply resources need to go to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So he said several doctors struggled with that and tried to save people that probably shouldn't have uh, been trying to save. Uh, He said there was an unbelievable mess there because, again, it's Sunday night, 10 o'clock. Not only do they not have medical staff, they don't have cleanup staff there. So hundreds of people are coming in. And he says there's, there's gauze, clothing, blood medical supplies bandaging all over the floor all over the hospital everywhere he said it just looked like a, a, a trash a yeah exactly uh, he said they broke his words were something effective we broke every medical protocol uh in the book to treat that many coming in with what little they had and, and i didn't know this and i actually called and talked to uh my friend that's a doctor who is eating lunch with us a couple of times. Right. And he said they just gave every everybody the same type of blood. I didn't know you could do that, but apparently you can. Type O blood. He said that we, we didn't have time or the ability to type every person that came in, so everybody got O blood. Well, O blood is universal. Yeah. So you can give that I, to anybody. I didn't know that. And apparently, luckily, they either had or went and got enough to that they had enough blood for everybody. Yeah, it's amazing they had that much. He said once in the peak time when they started doing surgeries, they didn't sterilize instruments between patients. They'd wiped them off, you know, but they did not ster- – they couldn't. They didn't have the equipment to do that many surgeries in that short amount of time. Um, it said well, – Now, when you say wipe them down, I'm sure – that, you know, they use gauze soaked in alcohol, Al- yeah, alcohol wipes, that nature. but not, sure. not the standard protocol that you would use. Right. Uh, he said nurses and techs were doing the work that, you know, in, by protocol, only doctors are allowed to do just because they were short staffed and the stuff had to get done. They used field expedient items. You know, they ran out of chest tubes, so they just found other kind of tubing and started using it and it worked. Nobody had a big pen. Yep. They treated and released patients without any registration or tracking. Uh, and he said that's one thing that hospitals need to develop or somebody needs to develop and hospitals need to adopt is an emergency uh, quick way to get patients in and track them that don't have to go through, you know, the insurance, what's your name, what's your next of kin, you know, all protocol. that stuff. Yeah. Uh, they put two people on one ventilator, which isn't allowed, but they you know, they got basically a split, a T split two yeah. and because they didn't have enough ventilators for everybody that needed ventilators. So. Uh, they did that, and they just—he said—they just completely broke the X-ray uh, policies on safety for for X-rays because they had to get X-rays done before surgery to know what stuff is. Uh, they canceled scheduled treatments, so you know you, you were in there for a gallbladder tomorrow, and I was in there for a tonsillectomy. You know, uh, you're gonna they, wait a couple they, of days. People that had already been admitted checked in in a room, pack your stuff, and get out. You know, because we need we need the space, we need the room, we need the bed, and they just canceled a lot of non emergency non emergency uh, procedures. Okay, so after you heard from this doctor, did he talk about what they had learned from this experience and how that could be used in a situation where you had you know a major happening like this? Did they did, were they 
saying we should pay attention to what we've done and look at coming up with SOPs? Yeah, well, he said I'm about to publish uh, a paper on this. Uh, and uh, the one thing he told us is, you know, was about developing some kind of software that would allow the hospital to track. Uh, and that's with this alert, their goal uh, is uh, training together law enforcement, firefighters, EMS, doctors, nurses, and other treatment to, to so that it's integrated. Yeah, well, they've all got to have knowledge of how to act with the other groups yeah. and they because they all have their own specific things they have to do yeah and the medical community is probably the last one that's joined here with alert but yeah he said he'd be publishing something uh, in medical journals pretty soon on stuff that he recommended and uh the last thing i wrote down from him and i've heard this again with other not specifically this but this about the media he said the media either had scrubs had friends with scrubs or went out and bought scrubs to sneak into the hospital to try to re- do interviews, take pictures, etc. While they're you know they're worried about treating casualties and doing the right thing, and the media were coming in there dressed in scrubs, undercover, trying to do. Now it sounds like do. some some laws need to be passed to make that stop yeah, with I, some serious repercussions. Yeah, I found that uh, I found that pretty amazing. Yeah, well, I don't find it amazing. I find it. You know, it's something that you would figure would happen. I've worked in news a good portion of my life. Shouldn't happen, you know, when they told we don't need you. I know there's some people out there that think that getting the story is the uh, end all to be all. And sometimes that's not the truth. You could cause somebody to lose their life because you're getting in the way. Yep. Well, I mean, several years ago, the Attorney General's Law Enforcement uh, Summit here in Little Rock, they had Lieutenant, Lieutenant Del Vecchio, I believe is his name, from the Connecticut State Police down to talk about Sandy Hook shortly after it happened. And that was one of the things he said was, that, you know, Newtown, Connecticut, where Sandy Hook took place, a fairly small city. Mm-hmm. And so they have a limited number of florists and mortuaries. Well, they had all those shot people so and, and a limited number of hospitals. So the media were going to the florist shops and the mortuary, you know, the funeral homes. And, and basically ambushing the families that were coming to make arrangements for their dead kids. Or they would mm. buy flowers, go to the door, acting like they were there to deliver flowers. Oh, my God. And when they took the flowers, they'd say, well, you know, by the way, I'm so-and-so from this agency. Would you, would you make a statement? They would have had to leave with blood on the flowers, and it would have been their blood after I punched them in the face. Well, in Connecticut, each, each one of the families of dead children, they uh, signed a state trooper 24 hours. Well, that's good. To, to help them, and that was one of the reasons they did it. All right. So I want to go back real quick to Forest City again. And we were talking about Tim because this this rose up in my mind as I was sitting here listening to what you had about Vegas. And the stuff that the doctor had to say is very interesting about you do what you got to do in yep. the situation you're stuck in. Um, and that is uh, he's talking about they're talking about going and, and asking the, the, uh, the state police to get involved. Would it not be a good idea when you see in this kind of malfeasance that you all, all also send a, a letter to the uh, the attorney general's office as well, asking for them to ask the state police to do an investigation or even to the governor? I would do both. I mean, because the governor, governor has told the state police that open carry is the law of the land. That was the quote in the newspaper. So, yeah, I would try everything. I would try to let as much as possible give everybody the opportunity to do the right thing before you try to force them to do the right thing all right ed monk our guest got another segment with him stick around where are we going to talk about next uh santa fe sandy hook and st george if you want all right we'll try to get off those three places in when we come back here on the dave ellswick show 
101.1 FM, the answer. All right, Ed Monk here. Of course, last resort firearm training and uh, going over some of these recent mass shootings. And uh, we've gone over Orlando again. We went over uh, what happened in Vegas. And uh, where are you going to take us next? Uh, we can do a Santa Fe. Uh, okay. that's, that's the one that happened after Parkland. Parkland was the one at the high school in Florida where it made made all the news uh, for a number of reasons. And then there was all kinds of politics that followed. And then, But shortly after that was one in Santa Fe in Texas, uh, just south of Houston. Uh, the There were two resource officers at that school when the shooting happened. This school district has their own police department. It is the they're outside of Galveston, but this is the Santa Fe Independent School District Police Department. So the school district has its own police department and two officers from that department were at the high school. They were attending uh, some kind of ceremony, a breakfast ceremony there on campus uh, when the shooter, a student at the school, came in and started shooting in the art complex of the building. It took the uh, the law enforcement officers, the school resource officers, four minutes to get to the shooter and that's something a lot of people don't understand like and i talk to a lot of schools about active shooters and they'll say well we have a resource officer so we're safe not necessarily if the shooting starts right in front of the resource officer he, he or she will probably end it fairly quickly but camp school campuses are big places. school buildings are big places uh, and so these police officers did not hear it when it started had to be alerted to it and then had to move down there so they got there about the four minute mark and they showed the video of the police officers moving down the hallway toward where the shooting and the officer that got shot was there and he said i i I was moving down the hallway and i heard a a gunshot and he saw two students fall he didn't see the shooter because he was down a a left hallway but he heard the gunshot and he saw two students fall down the hall in front of him so he Mm -hmm. knew where the the shooter was and he tried uh, tactically it's called slicing the pie coming around the corner but he had his elbow stuck out and uh, he did not see the shooter, but the shooter saw him, or at least his elbow, and fired a shotgun blast, and he got four pellets in his arm, one of which cut an artery. And so they showed the school security video of him and the other officer following him going down the hall to where the shooter was, and then, I don't know, 30 seconds or so passed, and then you saw the officer going back from down the hall from where they had come, and blood is just squirting all over the hall, all over the floor. Right. Unbelievable. Right. Cut the artery. So luckily, the second officer, uh, had was carrying on them is now more and more the practice of law enforcement officers carrying a tourniquet and was able to put a tourniquet on that officer's arm and and no doubt yeah, saved his no life. Doubt he would have bled out without it. So the one officer getting shot and the other officer changing from stopping the shooter to treating the officer uh, did not allow the two officers to to neutralize the shooter. But luckily, the shooter transitioned at that point uh, from shooting people to basically being stationary and it, we call it a barricade it just went to and he has said you know we captured him he has said he intended to commit suicide and just couldn't do it he just, just couldn't pull the trigger on his own head so uh, after he shot the officer then he just stopped shooting and s- sat, I give up. sat in a place and well he negotiated with him for about yeah. 20 minutes so the cops did not neutralize him by shooting him or causing him to kill himself but at that point he luckily he stopped shooting other people and you know i know many of us i'm one of them by the way would wish that they went ahead and taken his own life or whatever. It saves a whole lot of yeah. hassle. Yep. But I'm sure they're learning some things from talking to this guy. Hopefully. You know, what mindset and things of that nature yep. 
for a shooter like that. Yeah, and unfortunately, when they got up there, they before they even started, because we had him, the other officer that followed him was there, and there uh, was the assistant chief. Now the chief was there, so three of them were there, and they said, we cannot talk about the shooter because it's his trial has not come up it's still right. an investigation so we know you want to know what we've learned from him we just can't do that but yeah hopefully the ones that do survive hopefully uh we learn from them because you want to know what what went down in the person's head you know it's not normal behavior to take a firearm and just decide to start shooting people that you don't know who they are yeah just won't hurt them and you have no reason to I, I don't understand what makes people do that. We just know, unfortunately, that people do it. Yep. They did say that some activists that had been active in the Parkland shooting months before showed up and tried to stir up uh, trouble, tried to stir up politics, and it, of course, it was Texas. And he said it just, it just didn't work, so they, they left pretty quick. And it's another thing that happens quite often. He said, because this is Galveston, south of Houston, so it's pretty metropolitan. Right. And, uh, it, within one hour, 300 law enforcement officers were there. Uh, so that causes problems. That, that's 300 police cars. Yeah. They're, they're clogging up traffic, uh, and that happens in a lot of cases. And drawing attention. Well, yeah. but I mean, if you're driving is, by, you look over, and there's there's hundreds of cop cars with their lights flashing. You're wondering, what in the heck's going on? Yeah. Maybe you start slowing down, rubbernecking. They're all well-meaning, but if sure. they clog up the roads, ambulances can't get in, and ambulances that have made it in cannot get back out. <laughs> Same thing... Uh, Broward County Sheriff wrote a critical report of the Fort Lauderdale airport shooting. He said the same thing because that's in Fort Lauderdale, Miami. You know, how mm-hmm. many cops are in that? They all came and right. clogged up the roads. I remember then, the pictures yep. of that. Ambulances couldn't get in and ambulances couldn't get back out. Okay. What else you got? Well, uh, Sandy Hook. Um, There's still new stuff coming out about Sandy Hook? Well, new stuff that I'm learning because wow. you talked to this. The, the presenter here was a mother of one of the children in classroom 10. Okay. Uh, classroom 10, he went in two classrooms after he shot his way into the front foyer and then shot some staff members in the foyer and then went into the office, the, the school office, and then he went into two classrooms. The first one he went into was classroom 10, and so there was a mother there. Uh, the Arkansas Attorney General's law enforcement summit several years ago, they had a mother and a father of a girl who died in, San, in, in uh, Sandy Hook. I can't remember which classroom she was in, but... So he had already shot rounds to get in the, the school because they, right. they had locked the doors, but they had glass. So he shot his way into the school by shooting the glass out. Came mm-hmm. in the foyer. Uh, fa- some faculty and staff that were having a meeting kind of came out to see what the noise was. He shot four of those. Right. So he shot some rounds. When he entered there, apparently he only had three rounds left in his gun. They, uh, they said his, the, ch- the parent said the child told them he, the door slammed open. And he came in and he... Each elementary school, they had two adults, a teacher and a teacher's aide, I think. He shot three rounds. He shot the teacher and the teacher's aide. He shot the two adults first. And then she said, we're not a gun family, but we have done some shooting. And my Mm -hmm. my son knew what reloading was. Yeah. And he knew what reloading looked like. And when he saw the guy reloading, he knew he had a pause here. And so he ran out of the room, as as a lot of the other kids did, too. Yeah. Uh, Most of the kids in classroom... 10 survived because of that because they ran out of the room all right one minute left um she said something i didn't know so that right down the road from the school was a volunteer fire department and that's kind of became the the headquarters for this thing where they gathered the parents and reunification so slowly all the parents that that kids are alive are leaving and so what's left are the parents of the kids that aren't and you know so they're looking around and 
they, they're calling the hospitals. And they, she said she said the governor stood up on a chair and basically kind of scolded them and said, stop calling the hospitals. They do not have any information for you. And that that's kind of set the tone. And then mm-hmm. kind of everybody knew that if we're the if we're the ones here, then our kids are gone. Well, that'd be throwing a wet blanket on it. Yep. And like like Vegas and like almost every active shooter event I've studied, there were false reports of other shooters. And that, just, that just causes chaos. And I've already told you about the media ambushing uh, families. Good example of that is the report just came out we got one minute here of what happened over a war memorial a few weeks back when they had that panic and they thought they had yeah during the salt bowl and you thought uh, they had you know multiple shooters and in fact they didn't have a shooter at all had somebody with a stun gun and uh, then somebody knocked over a barricade and they heard the bang they thought gun gun and you got 5,000 people yeah. stampeding out. Ask me about Scott and White Hospital when we get back. Okay. We're, we're, we'll be back with uh, with Ed and uh, also Robert Steinbach's coming up. We're going to talk to him about that FOIA thing going on in Forest City as well as we continue to Dave Ellswick's show for a Monday. Well, President Bush's body, H.W. Bush, is uh, on his uh, way, final uh, trip uh, to the Capitol at this moment. Uh, He just arrived uh, uh, at uh, the air base and uh, and carried with his uh, and the family was there uh, on Air Force One. And now they're making their way to the Capitol. A quick uh, reminder that we will carry the service for the president live on Wednesday from 10 a.m. until noon, 10 a.m. till noon. So you'll hear it right here live on uh, 101.1 FM, uh, the uh, the answer. So uh, President Bush, uh, number 41, uh, on his way to the Capitol. So I'm sitting here looking at the, uh, the pictures that they got. They're still at Andrews folks, focusing on it, but they have departed uh, towards the uh, – uh, the Capitol. My guest in studio right now, Ed Monk is here from Last Resort Firearms Training. Robert Steinbach should be joining us here shortly as well. And so uh, let's get back and, and talk a little bit more about these uh, shootings uh, that have occurred in the past and some new information that's coming out, some very interesting information that's coming out about them, things that they've learned uh, along the way we we spent a lot of time talking about um what went down in las vegas and most of what was learned from that one was handling mass casualties yes seems like yep 500 uh at one time and spread out over you know i don't know 20 square blocks okay yeah not not deaths not 500 deaths but 500 people who were shot or injured Yep. Uh, at the event and that is a lot of people and when 200 plus of them descend upon one you know you know one one uh, of the um, the hospitals themselves it makes for some very tough decisions that have to be made on the fly yes by a lot of people with mm-hmm. a lot of confusion absolutely all right. So, where do we want to go now? Well, a lot of people may not have heard about this one uh, because it didn't have high numbers. Uh, St. George County, Maryland. Now, this borders Washington D.C. 
Um, this was one where we had police on police fratricide. Uh, the, but there's some strange stuff about it. This person, the shooter, wanted to die, uh, probably wanted, intended to get shot and killed by police. And so he, he gave a lot of his stuff away beforehand, mm-hmm. and his brothers helped him. And when he went to do this shooting, his two brothers sat in a car and recorded it on their cell, on their phone, video recorded it on their phone. So how many of us, if we just said, hey, two siblings, I'm going to go shoot up people around a police station, they would say, okay, man, let us come video you. But that's the kind of people that were out there. So he gets out of his car with his two brothers videoing inside the car, and he goes out in the street in front of a police department. He shoots one person. He shoots at several vehicles driving by the police department. He shoots in the air, and he shoots at the police department, the building. Okay. They look outside. There's a person uh, that looks a certain way, dressed a certain way. They scramble to get out. Uh, unfortunately, at the same time, there was a, an officer assigned to that police department that was off duty that day but but bringing somebody lunch at the police department who pulls up when this guy's out there shooting this off-duty officer in plain clothes dressed very similarly to the way the shooter was dressed the shooter had a handgun this off-duty officer gets out of his car and with his handgun engages and shoots the active shooter who stumbles back across the street and falls down in the grass Mm -hmm. unfortunately when this is happening one of the St. George County police officers exited the building, got in the trunk of his patrol car, got his patrol rifle out, came around the corner of the building, and saw somebody who looked just like they had oh, seen the no. shooter with a gun shooting at somebody. And so, the the unfortunately, the on-duty officer with his rifle shot and killed the off-duty officer who had shot the uh, active shooter. Okay, now, the active shooter... Was he dead, or did nope, they, he they took him alive, but the and then, guy that just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time... He died. He died. Yep. And in fact, what uh, the person that presented this, uh, she's not now, but at the time, she was the, information, the public information officer for St. George County, and she said, unfortunately, that officer and the active shooter that that officer had shot were sitting side by side in the same hospital room when the officer died. Oh, my. Yep. That's, that's not good. That is just... That's... It, ironic and then they didn't say how exactly how they knew but uh, within within an hour they had arrested the uh, the two brothers at a nearby restaurant i don't know how they knew they were involved that they had helped him but they arrested the two brothers and as far as i know that that has not gone to trial yet wow wow there have been several several very close calls of officer on officer fratricide uh i know sandy hook uh fort lauderdale airport (laughs) Very close calls with officers shooting officers, but it, it's usually after the shooter, after, you know, minutes after the active shooting is over, and you have multiple cops from multiple agencies showing up in civilian clothes and rifles and wandering around. That's usually when that happens. Yeah, um, I know. In uh, in in what Fort Lauderdale, it was really crazy in the baggage area. Yes, because, because that, the that's guy had gone in. With his guns and his bag, retrieved them, and then came out and yep. began shooting. And and he only shot six people. Uh, he shot his gun till it was empty, laid it down, and then spread eagle. So the, the shooting was a, a over very, very quickly. But again, there were a, a lot of reports of false shootings all over the airport. And every time there was a false report, people would stampede from that area to another area. Yeah. And then there would be another report. Uh, and people were kept out on the tarmac. And that was another note that I had from the conference. Uh, there were only six people shot at Fort Lauderdale Airport. There were 400 people transported by EMS to the hospital following that shooting because people ran in them knocked them uh, down heart attack hurt. tripped and fall scrapes whatever 
See, uh, this just goes back again. Uh, just you know, during the Salt Bowl over at uh, War Memorial, and you have a kid who's up uh, in an end zone seat with some other kids, decides to do something stupid. He uh, fired a stun gun. And uh, so somebody sees it and yells, gun, gun. And that's all the people had to hear. And before it's over, they said there were 5,000 people that were stampeding for the exits and, uh, you know, running down the exits, running into barricades, knocking them over, making loud noises. Other people think they're hearing gunshots. They're lucky nobody got killed in that situation. Yep. Well, another, what, you know, the other thing that bothers me on that, Ed, they, they have to know who did this. There have been no charges filed on any of that. You would you would think War Memorial, they would have cameras covering just about every part of it. I would think you, somebody I would think, is, I is, at, is responsible for starting a near riot. Yep. And covered at the conference was and i had heard i remember hearing about it but i'd forgotten it because it's not really an active shooter attack a scott and white hospital in temple texas an off-duty police officer was bringing his wife to the hospital i think for a a pre-scheduled procedure and as he was getting out of the car he heard what he thought was gunshots but it was actually a pneumatic nail gun and so he tells his wife get out of here call 911 tell him there's a shooting in the hospital he draws his gun and runs into the hospital there's over a thousand nine one one calls made that there's a shooter at the hospital. Wow. Mostly probably because they saw the officer actually running through with a gun, but there were over twenty people on nine one one calls who said they saw people getting shot. And of course that didn't happen. No no gun was ever fired there. But the false reports on, that, on every attack. I want to just draw attention to what you're saying because, and Robert, you can join in. Robert Steinbach has come in. By the way, Robert is a, a professor of law over at UALR. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the Bowen School of Law or the university. You know, it, it just goes to show you why sometimes eyewitnesses are not reliable witnesses. Oh, we know. We know that actually eyewitness yeah. uh, evidence is, is notoriously unreliable. The uh, well, when Just on the active shooter thing, the uh, New Life Church out in Colorado, the shooter first went and set pyrotechnics off at one end of the church before he started shooting at the other. There were seven different varied descriptions of the vehicle. Of this, of the, the vehicle that set out those pyros. They were trucks, minivans, SUVs, sedans. I mean, it's not like one said red, one said purple, slightly different. They were just wildly different descriptions from eyewitnesses that's you know that just goes to show that you know when you get a trial going and you say well this is slam dunk they got eyewitness yep. mm, no maybe not so much when i taught government uh, in a high school in kentucky we covered a case on a gentleman named cowan where the, the officer who was shot by a young black man is on the stand and says you shot me points right you i saw you i looked into your eyes as you shot me well DNA and other things turned out later he was completely wrong. It's just false identification. And, and Under cross, stress, the brain does crazy stuff. Yeah, and cross-racial identification is more di- di- uh, difficult than inter- intra-racial identification. Hmm. That's, it. That's interesting. Let me ask you something, Robert. We were talking in the last hour about lawyers who do things post-shooting. 
to try to bring forth lawsuits so they can go see people that do lawsuits. For instance, uh, a school that uh, they get a lot of money from the government after something terrible like this happens. And so the school, let's just puts in cameras. And now the lawyer that's out there brings a suit against them saying, well, you knew you needed cameras all along. All you've been doing is waiting for the money and brings a, a lawsuit. You know, is there anything that can be done to control that kind of stuff? Well, it, it all goes back to, you know, those damn lawyers, right, Dave? But <laughs> putting that aside for First me, thing we do is kill all the kill lawyers. Kill all the lawyers, exactly. <laughs> That's, the communists did well with that, didn't they? Yes, they did. Um, uh, but in, in, in truth, uh, the lawyers, of course, uh, I at least posit, and I, I suspect you agree with some of this, um, provide a, a valuable service. The question becomes whether the school, in your hypothetical, acted negligently at the time, mm-hmm. not after the fact. In fact, you're not allowed to introduce that subsequent change as evidence of wrongdoing. There's a specific prohibition on that. But the flip side of that is it's too often that we see we've got to wait for that car accident at that terrible clover leaf before they're going to put in a stoplight. You know, and every time you drive by, you go, man, that is a dangerous intersection. That happened in right. Cabot. Remember the That's cheerleaders right. that were killed at Highway 5 exactly. and 89? Yep. Exactly. And, you know, you drive by every day and you go, they need to put in a stoplight. And you call the local whatever it is. You know, you know, oh, yeah, we'll look into it. We'll look into it. And it takes a death before some government bureaucrat gets off of his mayonnaise-laden behind uh, and uh, starts uh, to do what he's been paid for all along. So I must tell you, I'm often not terribly sympathetic when some government entity gets sued after some tragedy happens. With that said, there are certainly opportunistic lawyers out there, often known as sharks, just looking for a free bite at an apple. All right. We'll take a break. Come back. We'll talk more. Robert Stein back here. Ed Monk is here. He'll be with us uh, along with Robert until uh, 4 o'clock. we got some things to bring up with you that we heard today uh, from Patriots of uh, 746 dealing with uh, FOIA and oh, that's uh, Forest City. That's very important. It's really, uh, int- it was very interesting as we listened to that. All right. got to get our break in. Let me remind you about uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. We've had, uh, of course, Eric Coleman on a couple of times. Very interesting and usable uh, information. He's been uh, sharing with you how not to get taken during the holiday season during uh, that time about, uh, you know, uh, jewelry and his his number one commandment, thou shalt not buy jewelry off the Internet. You're asking to get taken. So uh, go see him. Uh, sit down with him. All you got to do is call him, 501-246-3655, and use his many, many years of knowledge to uh, save you a lot of money. You can buy from him. I can tell you this much. You buy wedding rings. You buy engagement rings. There is no big box store around here that can beat him on price. 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard, that is Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, the Dave Ellswick Show on a Monday. We've got uh, Ed Monk here from uh, Last Resort Firearms Training. Also here, Robert Steinbach. He's a uh, law professor at UALR's Bowen School of Law. Remember, his opinions are his and his alone. 
and do not necessarily reflect that of the university or the Bowen School of Law. With that all said, let me go to Forest City. We've got about four minutes here. And we had a a long conversation uh, with Tim Loggins from uh, the Patriots of uh, Act 746, said that uh, Forest City had completely ignored three uh, FOIA requests. One, the lieutenant wrote a response and then erased it. Then they said that they uh, had a uh, secretary got one of them and and she deleted it. And then one went to the mayor and they haven't gotten an answer back uh, from the mayor and they're going to send a fourth uh, one to them. I mean, to me, three strikes, you're out. Yeah, well, uh, as you know, I tell uh, everyone, you have a right under the FOIA, but the right only means something if it's being enforced. And if it's not enforced and these people are ignoring it, the next step, which is very difficult for the average citizen, is to file a lawsuit. Uh, Ed, who's you mentioned a moment ago, I'm a, I'm a teacher, as you know. I'm also a student. I'm Ed's student. And uh, Ed uh, and I both know a great FOIA lawyer in town, in town Joey McCutcheon. Had Joey guy. on before. Yeah, and, and Joey's one of the several uh, excellent uh, Freedom of Information Act lawyers in town that would uh, take up this type of case. I can't commit him, obviously, but this is exactly the type of case that Joey is known for handling and handling well and winning because this is the ongoing problem with the Freedom of Information Act. These government hacks. Oh, did I say that? I meant bureaucrats. Oh, I mean uh, officials. Uh, bureau hacks. Yeah, bureau hacks. <laughs> Um, th- these guys think they, I've heard them say time and time again, Dave. Well, you know this this FOIA gets in the way of my job. Wait, wait, wait what? What? That is your job. Yeah, that is your job. You know how you know because the state legislature and the governor said so. All that other stuff you do—that's bureaucracy. That's some paperwork. But what your job absolutely is is to respond to the FOIA. So, like I said earlier, get off your behind and do your damn job. <laughs> you think the guy's patient, uh, passionate about it? There, I is? wish I wish he would come out of his shell and exactly. tell us what he thinks. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I told I told Dave, and I may have told you, Ed, I got into a bit of a debate with uh, a government lawyer um, who was arguing with me about the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, as you both know, I'm a co-author of the treatise, the book on the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act, and I said uh, that. Uh, this person who was arguing with me about my understanding of this one law, that there are probably uh, almost, there was at least hundreds of thousands, if not millions of laws on the books in this country alone. And I'm an expert on one. One! That's probably not the one you should pick the fight uh, uh, with me on. That's all I'm saying. That's that's like picking a fight with with Ed on uh, gun knowledge. Not the right guy to do it. All right, we're going to come back. We'll continue on with our discussion. I want to come back and talk just a little bit more uh, with uh, Robert. I want to get him involved with uh, the Patriots of Act 746, and they're talking about uh, asking the state police to go in and do a full investigation on Forest City. Let's talk about that and what does that take to get it done. We'll do all of that after we do uh, the news that uh, is being brought to you by the uh, Salem Radio Network here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so if you just joined us, Ed Monk is here from Last Resort Firearms Training. Also, Robert Steinbach is in, as he is every Monday. He is a uh, 
law professor at uh, the Bowen School of Law over at UALR. And I'm not going to repeat all that other stuff that I say time and time again. All i got to do is say it one time. That covers him. So he's covered. But the bottom line, we were just sitting here talking about some different things. What were you talking about, detaining suspects or something, Ed? Yeah, it came up at the conference. Does does a law enforcement officer have the authority to de- to use their authority to force detention, hold a witness to a crime? And uh, he quoted a Supreme Court case that said, under certain circumstances, if the crime is severe enough, if 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 there is what's the word exigent, exigent, which means yeah. it's an emergency, emergency. right? Uh, and reasonable time. So he said, you know, pretty much active shooter, mass killing that that checks the block for severity. The exigent or emergency would be, yeah. would be you have not yet caught or stopped the shooter, or there's reason to believe there's another shooter. So we're in the middle of, of an ongoing emergency. If you're all evidence points to one shooter and you have stopped him, then pretty much the emergency is over, your investigation mode. And then it has to be for a reasonable time. And he said Broward County, and that was that's the county that both Fort Lauderdale Airport and the Parkland uh, School happened in. So I don't know which which shooting he was talking about. I think it might have been the Fort Lauderdale. I but he said think that huge. probably is the one. Because they kept him out on, on the tarmac. tarmac. Uh and it that, was hot. That might have been some of the reason for the 400 EMS travels. But yeah. yeah, he said they're in the middle of a huge lawsuit because of violating that. And he said some cops just think, hey, I'm a cop. Something's happened. You're going to stay here until I'm done with you. And it's like, well, authority is limited, and it better fit in the blocks or you're going to have a problem. Well, you know, I think Ed raises a very important broader point, and that is p- people like us, we like cops. Cops are generally good guys. Uh, and But even people like us, when we see a cop – Acting like a hotshot, acting, you know, barking out orders to witnesses or whatever in a way that is rude and offensive. Yeah, it's rare. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. That is, is a, a bad situation for cops. That makes other cops look bad. And, and, and uh, I always say it that uh, um, when I see that happening, that I, I would love to see another cop sort of, if there was more than one around, straighten, straighten out the first one. I've seen it happen, though. I actually have seen one cop say to – like a sergeant say to an officer, you know what, let's take it down a notch. Yeah. Well, in the military, a common saying was part of taking care of good soldiers is getting rid of bad soldiers. Yeah, exactly. So we, we don't like to see bad soldiers. And I, you know, I used to bring him in and I used to tell him, son, I'm not saying you're a bad guy. I'm exactly. not saying you can't get into heaven. I'm exactly. just saying you can't be a soldier anymore. Exactly. You got to go. Exactly. There were the, uh, when my, <laughs> I kind of like that. We have standards. And, you know, right. for, for certain things, we can give you a talking to, give you a reprimand, a little bit of punishment, take some rank. But there are certain things you do or you do enough, you just got to go. You cannot be a soldier. It requires a certain amount of conduct, a certain amount of honor, and, or we have to be able to trust you. And with what you did being stuck in a little tin can rumbling around with a big cannon on it, you better do what you're supposed to do yep. and not more yep. or not less. Yep. What, when, when my mother unfortunately passed away recently and the cops and certain other services, you know, come out to the house, right? It was at the house. And so EMS and the, the fire department and one of the non-cop services and I got into a little bit of a disagreement because they showed up with the lights when I had instructed the operator to tell them not to in the middle of the night. And the two cops from Little Rock, I want to say this on the air, were outstanding. They were so professional, so calm, and they brought the tension down. And there was a female and a male cop, both of them outstanding. They said very little, which was exactly right. They did what they needed to do. They recorded the information, and they stay, one of them stayed the whole 
time monitoring my house until everything was finished. So really, I got to say, if, if those two cops um, are uh, examples of how Little Rock police operate generally, and I, I have no reason to think otherwise, then we are really lucky. Good. Well, another military saying you made me think of was good good leaders bring calm to chaos. Yeah, they don't exactly. they don't bring chaos to calm. That's so right. That's part of what you should do is bring it down a notch. That's right. And people think better and act better when they're calm. That's right. Hey, anything else from these shootings that you wanted to mention? Because I wish you'd been here for the whole thing. Yeah. Robert. yeah. It was it's been very interesting. I've I've heard a lot of what Ed has to say uh on this issue, in fact, and it's it's really insightful. And these are the facts that make the difference, right? Because you have the people on the left coming out Oh, too many guns and guns are bad. Who do you want to take them away from? Cops? Good guys? Like there's no analysis on the left when it comes to guns. And then when you hear the things that Ed has to say, it doesn't have uh, this laced with politics. He said, look, this is the number of minutes that uh, and the number of people that have trans uh, that have passed and the number of people that have died. And this is how long it takes to make a phone call for the cops to show up from off scene to get there, secure the scene. And this is how many people are going to die under that scenario. But if there is a person on scene trained uh, with a firearm who's willing to do the right thing, there has never what Ed, remind me what the, with that standard, there has never uh, been a quicker response or a better response than there was someone on scene trained willing to respond if there's there's been an armed person present right uh that could hear or see the shooting when it started and they act aggressively to stop it we've had nine or less victims at every single one yeah but something uh again brought up they they gave out a lot of statistics and you always have to be careful about statistics and active shooters because everybody defines what is an active shooter they define it differently uh the fbi for a while there had to be four more fatalities well if in New York City, a guy walked into an AT&T store with a list in his pocket of a whole bunch of people he wanted to shoot. He shot one person before an off-duty cop shot and killed him. Was that an active shooter? Well, yeah, not, I would think so. Not according to the definition of there has to be four more fatalities. But anyway, uh, alert, they study this stuff all year long. They said 69% of active shooter attacks end in five minutes or less. So that's almost 70%. So when I go talk to schools and organizations and churches, I say, what, what is your plan to stop the shooter? And most of them don't really have a plan. They're like, well, we, we'll do some certain things until he stops. Well, you got, if you don't stop him in the first five minutes, your plan is irrelevant. Okay, it's, so it's you, not said, have an you said five minutes, and you say one person is shot every 10 seconds. Yep, six a minute. So you're looking at, and that's the that's average. 30 about people. 30 people shot. That's about the average. And, what, and how long, Ed, is the average time for the cops to show up? And this is not blaming them. This is called geography, right? Yes, yeah, four to 10 minutes, yeah. dep- depending yeah. on where they right. are. Right. Uh, well, the next thing they put yeah. they, that I wrote down from the conference, 60% in before cops even arrive. There you go. Uh, and a lot of times they arrive, but right. then don't really have a, have a hand in stopping it. But right. 60%, the majority, right. so people say our plan is to call 911 yeah. and wait on the cops. That's well, a bad plan. It, you're going to have a high <laughs> bottom count. Yeah, well, um, that's, a, that's a plan to have someone respond when something's over. Uh, in, in order of most to least, active shooters the most often end by suicide. The second most often is a citizen, armed or unarmed. Third most often is cop. And fourth, almost, almost never is SWAT. Uh, and then the last one is unfortunate, uh, kind of something that got me into this several years ago. Said, ISIS and Al-Qaeda uh, are publishing web instructions on how to build IEDs, on how to derail trains, and how to choose a vehicle for a car attack. And I just gave you another one today. About snipers in New York City. Yep. Yep. 
They've they've sent the warning to New York City. Not at a any. I'm sure they did it now because you're going to have all those people downtown on New Year's Eve. But they said they're going to, you know, send snipers to New York City. And do you know how tough it is to find every window in New York City and keep an eye on them all at one time? They use that's what you do in combat. You use the enemy's weakness against them, and mm-hmm. are that they they are doing that. It's it's, it's kind of a little bit unnerving, as far as I'm concerned. It and, is, and they're, it is. and it they're they're warning us. So if they're telling us, assume they're going to do it. They've been telling us for the last twenty to thirty years. That's yeah. what that's what got me into this. It was an unclassified military briefing when I was still in the military. When I was brought in, and said we've. It's not like we've captured intelligence. We we are just reading what they're putting out there for the public. Yeah. It's open. They are saying if you live in America and you're sympathetic to our cause of radical Islam, pick up a knife and stab somebody. Pick up a saw and cut somebody's head off. Pick up a gun and shoot somebody. Pick up a car and run over somebody. Make a bomb and blow people up. They're they're begging demanding that people sympathetic do that and we've seen it but every time there's one of those type attacks people say oh my god how could this have possibly happened well why wouldn't it happen they've been they've been telling us the whole time it's exactly right i mean even with the planes they were talking about that in france before they did it here in the united states we knew they were looking into it yep and didn't do anything about it all right let's take a break final break this hour and then we'll be back with more. Robert Steinbach is here from UALR Bowen School of Law. Ed Monk is here. He's a trainer, concealed carry, active shooter, you name it. He can talk about it. Last resort firearms training. All right. If you want to get outdoors and do your work, if you like to work with your hands, if uh, you're looking to be a part of a uh, big organization that's getting bigger, then uh, you need to get your resume together and get it to piroofing.com, or you can call them, 501-707-3551. Now, PI Roofing and Home Solutions has career opportunities right now in their commercial roofing and service division, their residential roofing and service division, and home solutions division. So uh, make a difference together with PI Roofing as you climb your ladder to success. That's apply at piroofing.com. Or call them, 501-707-3551, Joel Johnson and his crew. If uh, you look like the kind of guy they want or a lady that they want, they will be in touch with you and talk to you, and you might be on your way to a brand new career. All right, we'll get back here and finish up here with Ed and, of course, uh, along with uh, uh, Robert. Robert, uh, the folks over at uh, uh, Act 7, uh, 746, Patriots of Act uh, 746, are saying that they're looking at bringing uh, some kind of um, you know lawsuit against Forest City. They have testimony, and I, I don't know if evidence is too strong of a word, as Tim was talking about it, but they know people who have been mistreated by the forest city police and they're talking about asking the the uh, state police to get involved in this how do you go about to make a case with the state police that they want 
to get involved in. And this is regarding the FOIA violations? Or? Well, not the FOIA. Okay. No, this is just to get them in there and look at what looks to be, you know, corruption going on in the uh, oh, uh, in the police department. Well, the, you know, that's it, it, they've got to get some evidence uh, before they can get the state police to act and then even then there's no guarantee but then it's politics then they've got to contact the state police they contact their elected officials they contact the governor they contact the attorney general's office if they have evidence and they say this is what we've exposed and we believe an investigation should be started now of course citizen doesn't have a right to start a criminal investigation right but if they get enough together and they go public uh, and there's something there uh, my guess is something will happen well it's kind of interesting because we heard a story of this. It was the lieutenant, was it not? That allegedly put his gun in the small of somebody's back. That's what I believe Tim said on the phone. And call. nothing ever happened wow. to him. Wow. He's still a lieutenant. Wow. Well, they got some questions about well, that. If yeah. that's truly the case, uh, the other thing is, is the officer who got involved in all of this with uh, Chadwick, the, the man that we're talking about. Uh, it was a lot of stuff that he said about it was false, mm-hmm. wasn't mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what all would it take? I mean, has it got to be a lot of stuff that's egregious over, you know. There's no easy answer. Years, right? decades. Yeah, there's no easy answer. It's, how do you motivate a, a law enforcement agency to take interest in a potential crime? And so there's no pat answer for that. But publicity, uh, use the FOIA, get documents. Uh, discover what's going on, talk to the press, and talk to elected officials. Mm. That's how government interacts with the populace. I mean, you got a couple things going on. I guess Jan uh, Morgan is going over, and it's going to have a, um, along with the Patriots, are going to have a uh, town hall meeting, and they've invited the police to show up. They're going to show up, is what they're saying. That's you good. Know, they haven't They haven't had it yet. Right. So, you know, they haven't shown up yet. We'll have to see if they do. And uh, then Jan is going to teach them some about concealed carry and how to deal with the media and with uh, with the public. I mean, I guess that goes somewhat in the direction of doing the right things. Ed, you're a cop. Well, again, I got nothing against talk. I got nothing against training. I got nothing against meeting. But if public officials in their hearts want to do the right thing and they want to uphold their oath, then they will do that without training, without negotiation, without uh, meetings. I'm all for having a meeting. But uh, if there's people intentionally not responding to the Freedom of Information Act, if there's people intentionally harassing citizens for what they know is not a violation of the law, then we have a problem that I'm not sure training can fix. Mm. All right. So as this unfolds, we'll continue to keep coverage of it and keep you up to date on what's going on. Uh, You know, I'm a big Second Amendment guy, almost as big with Second Amendment as I am with the First Amendment. So uh, because I just think the most important amendments in the Bill of Rights, to be honest with you. And there's no question. We, we, we talk, you and I talk most on your show about the First Amendment, but the thing we talk probably second amount is the Second Amendment. Yeah. And we've discussed how uh, the conservative view is that the Second Amendment guarantees our ability uh, to carry a gun. However, and this is important, and we've talked about this n- numerous times, 
don't be foolish. If you want to carry concealed in the state of Arkansas, um, uh, it's it's all good and well to, to believe that the Second Amendment says that you can, but when the cops arrest you, uh, they're going to take you to jail. So if you want to carry concealed, get a concealed carry license. If you want to carry open pursuant to 746, you can do that, and you need but to— But know that still— there may be officers right. and departments that don't buy into that, exactly. even though we've got, you know, the court, court cases appeals. and everything court, right. going on. It right. may take the Supreme Court of Arkansas to finally arbitrate this. It will take this. that. That's right. So until the Supreme Court of Arkansas finally gives us a decision on this, or gives us a final decision, I'd say, uh, should say on this, uh, it remains an open question, even though... Uh, plenty of people say, well, that's the law. Okay. But since you're, you're not wearing a black robe, uh, that's really, you know, uh, I can say, so I see, you know, I can sit in my bathroom all day and scream crazy things, but, uh, you know, that doesn't make it the law. So, uh, until the Supreme Court justice says so, uh, it's just a guess. I want to mention something. They are now moving the casket carrying the former president. George H.W. Bush, the 41st president of the United States, up the steps of the ca- uh, Capitol. And it is the most amazing thing to watch. You see it there, Ed, the, the showing the flag right now and showing the yeah. the color guard there. But they're coming up the steps, and they go step, step by step by step by step. And it is amazing. And preceded all of this by the American flag. I am... Uh, I worked in the Senate uh, uh, when uh, President Reagan was laid in state and, and saw him there. I had the opportunity to see him because I was uh, uh, one of the, you know, because I worked there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to both of Reagan's inaugurations as well. Uh, and I went to, I believe I went to the first, I think I went to the first Bush. I missed one one inauguration somewhere along the way before I left uh, the Northeast, but I went to both the Reagans and almost everyone thereafter until I came to Arkansas. I'm just saying you better be in good shape to do that yeah. kind of, yeah, that kind of uh, stuff like that. I mean, we met. I met the the national commander of the American Legion, and uh, the last, I think he said, twelve years served in the Stone Garden at Arlington. It was pretty interesting talking to him about that. One of my West Point classmates just recently retired, and he was a colonel in command of uh, Arlington and the guard there. That's what they call They call it the stone garden is what they – all the tombstones there. Yeah. So with that said, just know that uh, the, the the former president will lie in state. Wednesday will be the uh, national day of mourning, and uh, we will carry uh, all of that live from you from 10 a.m. to noon. Uh, so that you can uh, be part of it as well. With that said, you know, Ed comes in here and does this on his own time uh, and things, and I like when he comes on to uh, have him tell you where you can come and get your particular uh, training for, you know, uh, active shooters and things of that nature. Can somebody buy a, a, a you know, a, which one? A, 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 a thing that they can give to somebody. A gift certificate. A gift Thank certificate. Yeah, we uh, offer gift certificates. Okay. So please don't get people socks and sweaters that they don't need. Uh, I know people struggling. What can I get them? We'll get them a gift that's unique, uh, that would be fun for them to use, and actually give them a little bit of liberty and uh, self defense. We offer gift certificates for private lessons. 
And this can be someone who already has a gun, knows how to shoot it, but wants to tune up or learn some new defensive skills or someone that's never touched a gun before. So someone doesn't have to have their own gun to do a private lesson. We'll provide the guns for them to shoot. And you can get a gift certificate for a concealed carry license, an enhanced concealed carry license, one of our advanced classes. Uh, We have a two-day active shooter class in March. So, yeah, contact us, our Facebook page, and we can get you a gift certificate before Christmas. (laughs) All right, before I leave you go, if you think you hear somebody in your home and you're going down the hallway and getting ready to go around uh, a corner, say. Now, first, leave the lights off, correct? Because you know your house. The person who's broke into it probably does not. It would depend on whether or not you have a light. If you have a light source, then you can leave the lights okay, off. Okay, a flashlight. Yeah, if, uh, if you have a light source either in your hand or on your gun, uh, then you can leave the lights off and you can tr- control the lights. If you don't, then you need a light so you can see them at a distance and not close up. Okay. And... The, the holding of the gun, close to the body or out from the body? Out from the body, unless you're going through a doorway or some other restricted place that causes you to have to what we call gooseneck it, bring it back in so that you don't offer them the gun if they're on the other side. Gotcha. All right. And we can train people on all of that, how to clear your own house. There you go. You do that with uh, Ed Monk. Robert's going to stick around. I said he could stay for another couple hours, so he'll be with us. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, moving to the 4 o'clock hour. It's going fast here today on the Dave Ellswick Show. My thanks to Ed Monk from uh, Last Resort uh, Firearm Training and a lot of information, very interesting information uh, that he was able to obtain at that alert uh, conference that he went to. I think he said at Texas State and uh, brought back some very interesting stuff. I mean, that... Most of those mass shootings last five minutes or or less, and that uh, the police typically get there in six to ten minutes. So four to ten, but you you know they're basically walking. Yeah, they're walking in with chalk. Okay, right. Well, and that's and there's nothing wrong with the police. Meaning geography, right? It takes a certain amount of time to travel a certain distance. We learned that in high school math. Uh, and so when it takes a little time for the cops to show up, even when they're on the ball and and they hopefully are, uh, that's not that's normal. And so the question then becomes, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? And the answer is have a, a means to protect yourself at the location before the cops show up. And you need more than just a couple of people. Right. And you need more than just the plan being, as Ed said, let's call the cops because that's a circular uh, logic, yes. right? Hey, let's do the thing that's not going to get the assistance until the problem is largely or entirely resolved over. already. Right, right. So that's that's no good. Uh, and so people need to be responsible in part for their own safety uh, and, and not rely on the nanny state to take care of them all the time. All right. So I got to ask you, this is I don't know if you heard about this story or not. Uh, was released today, an immediate release from CARE, all right, which is the uh, Council on American-Islamic Relations, not my favorite group by a, a long s- shot. Uh, it's the nation's largest Muslim advocacy and civil rights group. They today called on the Arkansas legislature to censure uh, State Senator uh, Jason Rapert who appeared to question the right of American Muslims to participate in the political process. Now, I'm going to tell you, 
I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt that's not what he was saying. What did he, I didn't hear anything okay, well, about what he said. Okay, well, here's what happened. On yeah. November 30th, Senator Rapert, who also founded the National Association of Christian Lawmakers, tweeted a story from a right-wing conspiracy site. I don't know what it is. I mean, if it was Breitbart. They'd call it a right-wing conspiracy site. Um, about CARE's report on the high Muslim voter turnout in the midterm elections and comment. Do you want them ruling everything in America? In a later post, he wrote, if you read this article and don't see real political concerns, then you have a problem perceiving news. Now, it says Rayford has since tried to walk back his bigoted comments. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I find I don't find that bigoted. Here's what I see, I hear Senator Raper saying because I know Jason Raper I know him well, and he made he made a statement that sounds like to me hey, ninety six percent of Muslims who are registered to vote went to the polls. That's a good turnout. Okay, yeah. yeah. He says, do you want them to take over everything? Because that's what's going to happen if we don't match their turnout. That's what he's talking about. He's pointing the finger at the turnout for uh, everybody else. You're letting one group have a huge sway on a political process. I didn't see anything in there that said they shouldn't have been allowed to go to the poll. Maybe that group's voting all Republican. We don't know. We don't know. But, I mean, bottom line, he didn't say they shouldn't be able to vote. Didn't say anything like that at all. Uh, CARES election night, American Muslim voters in the 2018 midterm election exit poll found that 95% of Muslim voters who responded to the survey turned out at the polls. 78% of the Muslim voters cast ballots for the Democratic Party Mm. and 17% for Republican Party candidates. Well, then that becomes a lot more of a nuanced discussion, right? Then it's basically saying, okay, here's a group with a high turnout that's voting for the for the other party. Uh, we need to respond. Yeah. Um, so That's what I read out. I mean, yeah. let's, let's go back to what he said here. He made the statement, do you want them ruling everything in America? Because if you don't go to the polls, that's what exactly could end up happening. And then later said, if you read this article and don't see real political concerns like our party not turning out at the polls, then you have a problem perceiving news. Yeah. I, I, frankly, I think he could have used significantly better phrasing than he did. Uh, but uh, but uh, I certainly take your point that this is a problem that we've seen over and over again, right? It's always, oh, wait a second, you refer to a group, uh, you're racist, you're a bigot, you're this, you're that. Yeah. And um, – and it's perfectly legitimate to say, let's say, um, oh, uh, the folks in the in the cities are voting at seventy eight percent, and the rural are voting at forty. I'm making up the numbers, forty two percent. Well, guess what? Cities vote left generally, mm-hmm. and rural votes right. Yeah. So it's perfectly legitimate to say, hey, rural folks, you got to step it up. To Saw match a story the city folks. about that today. Yeah. Well, for, you know, French Hill, I think, got. It was at 32 or 42 percent in Pulaski County, and then of, of course got essentially the mirror plus plus something in the uh, in the outer counties in the suburbs, right? Uh, and the point is that he's got to get more votes in the suburbs to make up for the leftist vote 
in Pulaski County. Yeah, because Pulaski County is known right. to be blue. Right, right. Uh, so it's perfectly legitimate to say something like, hey, you other counties, you got to make up for Pulaski County in the congressional race if you continue to want to have the great congressman that we have in office. And they did, right? Uh, so it depends uh, what he means there. And I, and I take your point, uh, but I also think he was a little, a little loosey-goosey on the language. Here. All right. So CARES Government Affairs Director Robert McCraw, who I've had on the show, Quote, is unconscionable, it is unconscionable for an elected official to question the right of political participation by any American based solely on his or her religious belief. Where did the senator say they shouldn't have gone and voted? He didn't say that. that He was saying it's 95% of them voted. We better wake up and turn out at the polls, too, or we're going to be on the, the dookie end of the stick. Yeah, yeah. That's all I saw that he said. Yeah. Senator Rapert's bigoted comments reflect dangerous ideolo- uh, ideo- ideologies of the past that should be repudiated, not promoted. Well, as you know, Dave, we talked over and over again. The, the, the tactic of the left now, when they don't like something, uh, has been historically isms, isms, right? And we've we've pushed back against that, and we've said we're not going to take it. We're not going to listen to that. Uh, that doesn't look. The fact is, and we've talked about this too. Fact is, they're racists in this country. This isn't a racist country. There's racism in this country. This isn't a racist country. Uh, and and when if you come to your understanding of this country and politics in the opposite way, and you think this is a racist country, uh, then we're on uh, completely diametrical poles. We don't, we're unlikely to have a productive conversation. Um, uh, but there's always going to be bad people in every barrel. Uh, and, uh, and there's nothing, um, uh, and the left for the longest time has tried to paint the right uh, as bad guys. And, that was Hillary, right? A basket of deplorables. Yep. And the fact is, that basket of deplorables cost Hillary uh, maybe the whole election, but a, a large vote, if not the entire election. Because the left's contempt for Americans has finally been exposed. The left doesn't like you, Dave. The left thinks you're lousy. Really? Exactly. Really? The left thinks you're <laughs> bad. The left thinks you're evil, and here comes the isms. And then, by the way, can you please vote for me on the left? That's what they say. Yeah. What? Uh, no. Thank you, no. You know, uh, the guy comes up to your comes up to your car in Times Square and spits on your windshield and then wipes it with his elbow and sticks out his hand for a nickel. You know what my response is? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Get, keep moving. No, thank you. Uh, and that's the left. The left will spit on your windshield, wipe it with a dirty elbow, and then stick out their hand and, and ask say, for I your vote. I cleaned your windshield. I cleaned your windshield. Give me your vote. Guess what? That's why Hillary's living in a bunker in Chappaquiddick <laughs> or wherever the heck she is uh, up there in New York State. Because that's not what the American people wanted. Oh, well, you know, she got more votes. You know, that team ran up and down the uh, field a thousand times and got more yards, never got the ball across the finish That's line, right. right? So it's, uh, by the way, my response when, they, when the left says, she got more votes is, yeah, good for you. Did, did you feel better now? Yeah. Yeah, where, where should, what's her address? Is it, is it the White House? That's what we call right. a moral victory. Yeah, knock yourself out. 
Listen, have a party. I saw the you party. You feel good about right. it. Feel good about it. Um, listen, when, when Hillary lost, that didn't look like much of a party at the glass no. ceiling breaking ceremony. But if you want to enjoy, you should have had been jumping up for joy because you said she We got all right? these votes. We got more yeah, votes. But you forgot so why that you, you score points. Yeah. Electorally. Electorally. Right. So why was the guy who was going on the Colbert show, who works uh, on MSNBC, uh, ostensibly as an objective news reporter, literally sitting down crying? Crying. I forget his name. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. The the guy with the shaved head. They're all that one. Yeah. They're crying. (laughs) Right. Oh, boy. That's objective. That's some objective news right there. Yep. So uh, they've been exposed. The left has been exposed for what they are. The emperor has no clothes. Exactly right. That's exactly where we're at. All right. We come back. we got more to talk about with Robert. Don't forget, in the final hour, Conduit News is going to be with us. They had a very interesting article today on ConduitNews.com dealing with taxes and how the uh, state of Arkansas has fallen uh, as being a, a free state as far as taxation goes. The Tax Foundation... Moved them from 39th to 46th on taxes. That's not good. That is absolutely bad. All right, let's continue on here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 22 minutes after 4 on a Monday. The eulogies have begun. Uh, Vice President Pence uh, is uh, delivering his eulogy right now on uh, George uh H.W. Bush's life, 41st president of the United States. And I was just talking to uh, to uh, Robert about this a few moments ago. That's a guy you can look at and, uh, and say, yeah, he lived his life in public service. Fought, 100%. 100%. Yeah, fought in World War II, yeah. youngest fighter pilot yeah. uh, in World War II, yeah. got shot down during the war, rescued, uh, Went from there back to Texas, uh, from out at you know Kenny uh, Kenny Bunkport, where uh, that area of the country where his family was from, left the East Coast and went to yeah. Texas yeah. to make his uh, his fortune, so to speak. Got there, became a very successful oil man, ran for public office, won, uh, lost, and then won uh, as a congressman. Uh, served in Congress, uh, left Congress, became head of the CIA, uh, was with the CIA, and then uh, left the CIA. And um, if we had had diplomatic relationships uh, with China, he would have been the first ambassador to China. Instead, he, he was. we didn't have diplomatic relations, so I forget what the exact term was, but uh, he went to China, and he was like the president's go- go-between on that. Uh, after he did that, uh, this guy by the name of Ronald Reagan asked him to join him on the ticket. They won. They served eight years in the White House. He as the uh, vice president and then uh, ran and won his first time against Michael Dukakis uh, and uh, uh, served one term and then uh, ran for a second term and just during the whole that whole campaign was dogged by when he said no you know read my lips no new taxes and then he signed the tax bill uh that the democrats offered to him which was a a politically um 
wrong thing to do. It was a setup, right? The Democrats knew if they got him to sign a bill increasing taxes that they could use it against him in the next election. And, and even they did it. so, and even yeah. so, yeah. he just barely got by. And if Ross Perot had not, and Clinton did, right. if if Ross Perot had not run, right. I believe that President Bush would have been reelected. Well, that could very well be the case. It's, of course, you can never know exactly how the split was, but Ross got Ross Perot got almost twenty percent of the yeah, vote. Yeah, he got so, a big vote. Right. So there's the, the that's easy, and you don't know uh, exactly what proportion would have gone to each candidate. So that leaves entirely open that question. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I just think that that. He was the wild card. Oh, for sure he was. You know? For sure he was. Well, it was just like Anderson was. That's right. But Anderson got he, he less felt, than five. Yeah, well, he felt he, he jumped out of the race just right. prior That's right. I forgot about to that. the uh, the election. Yeah. And uh, But he still, he cost Democrats some votes. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. And as far as that was concerned. That's right. So anyway, that's the kind of guy yeah. that we're celebrating today. Yeah. That's, you know, and people say, oh, it was unfair. Uh, Ross Perot did this. That's politics. That's democracy. It's messy, uh, right? And votes can be split three way, and then and then there's no literally no majority. Uh, I don't think Clinton never had a majority, nope. right? Yeah, um, but you wouldn't expect a majority at least, or you wouldn't. Uh, n- it's not necessary to have a majority. You could get one, but it's not necessary to have a majority in the three way race, right? But you know what? The the change uh, in tenor of politics. Can we look? Politics has always been dirty. Right. It's a dirty, That's right. dirty business. That's right. I mean, some of the things that Jefferson was called, uh, you know, and, and and whatnot, and some of the things that Adams was called. I mean, it was terrible stuff. It was all in the newspaper then. Of course, no radio, no TV. But as as the means of communication got better, the uh, the running of the, the campaigns got more brutal, but I think there was kind of a seminal change that happened when Clinton was president. Yeah, yeah. And some people say that that's the case now when Trump got elected. Yeah. There's certainly a change in technology, right? I mean, there's, there's no doubt that Twitter and, and Trump's use of Twitter changed the dynamics. There's yeah. no question about that. Yeah. And, you know, people can complain, oh, we don't like everything that he's saying, but the instant responsiveness of Twitter by a candidate really is is a brilliant idea to you no you don't have to hillary was the most filtered politician that ever existed yeah, he went around his own people that's right. trump did and that's he right. went always would go around the the the, the, the press media. that's right and hillary was so uh, dusted and filtered and uh, pre-arranged it was like talking to a robot it was mm-hmm. like watching westworld yeah. You watch that show on yeah, HBO, yeah. right? Absolutely. Uh, and the original movie with Yul Brynner, outstanding uh-huh. movie. Uh, and so it was like a bunch of robots. So you get this robot running for office who also badmouths half the population and then says, oh, the Russians stole the election from me. What? Yeah. You know what stole the election from you? Your own lousy candidacy. Your own failure to go to places where you needed to vote. Your inability to answer questions. Your unwillingness to answer questions. Your, your silence for weeks on end. way of running a campaign. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and her campaign manager, you remember Robbie Mook? He's, about, mm, he's yeah. about 14 years old. Have you seen yeah. him on television? I mean, they really, they, they had no message. Uh, they they was hey give us give us four years do you know why because we worked for the guy who 
just had the office. My, and my husband yeah. did a my, good job when he was yeah, president. Yeah, my husband was president. And by the way, and I've said it on your show, as a conservative, I don't think uh, Clinton, Bill Clinton was a bad president, specifically because he balanced the budget. And I give him a lot of kudos and credit for that. But she wouldn't have balanced the budget. Um, and I'm concerned, by the way, when Republicans now seem a little less inclined to deal with balancing the budget. That's a that's a priority that exists across, uh, you know, I don't care who's and, in office. And let's remember, it was Ross Perot yeah. who ran on those types that's of right. things. That's right. That's and right. And he would do those. You remember those? Can, can, can would, I answer? Can, can I answer? Yeah. That's my Ross Perot. That's take, all I can do. <laughs> he would take, I think he looked like a Ferengi. Yeah, exactly. All right. But he would. Well, hear this giant sucking sound coming yeah, from the south. That's it. Absolutely. And anyway, he'd get on t- national television. He bought the time because he was independently that's right. he was rich. rich. Yeah. Get a half hour, an hour, yeah. prime time, and sit there with those charts. That's right. That's right. And show the American people, and that's why he had a lot of followers. Okay. Oh, he made some real points. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a break here. Uh, we got to get to the news. We'll hear uh, the, the vice president is still speaking uh, in the rotunda of the Capitol right now where the 41st president of the United States lies in state. So we'll be back in a moment. I'm sure you hear about more about uh, George Bush, former president of the United States at the news all right don't forget uh that uh there are 567 different ways to claim your social security benefits 2728 rules in the social security handbook and uh, to make matters worse the social security administration is under orders from the federal government to not offer you any personalized advice about taking your social security so you're totally on your own No wonder why as much as $10 billion in benefits go unclaimed every year. Learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits, excuse me, in the uh, up-to-date 2018 Guide to Social Security from David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Uh, To get your free 2018 Guide to Social Security, just be one of the first 10 callers right now. At 501-653-6690. You don't want to leave tens of thousands of dollars on the table. Get back every nickel that's rightfully yours. Not asking you to go around any loops or through any, you know, holes and hoops or anything like that. Just get back what they've promised you. Call 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. Yeah, I'm meeting with a guy on... uh, Wednesday, 10 o'clock in the morning at IHOP over in Cabot with the missus. And we're going to be talking about Social Security and Medicare, taking care of those things. And, you know, I, Robert, I came to the final realization because I didn't want to get on a government program if I didn't have to. <coughs> but I considered that I've paid into them. No, no, Dave, this is not a government program. This is not a welfare program. You, the government took your money and they put it in the bank. Actually, they didn't put it in the bank because they gave it to somebody else. Right. But they took your money as part of a retirement program. And then when you get to the age of retirement, whether or not you retire, by the way, folks, if you're 65, uh, and it varies depending when, and I don't know the details, but if you're around 65, you can start collecting Social Security whether or not Next you've year. retired. Next year. Right. So don't 
think you need to retire to start collecting and then you can collect early and then they take a they give you less you can collect at the normal time depending on your age they give uh, you 100 percent, 100 percent, and then you can wait till uh, a, 70 a 70 or or zero right somewhere along that line uh and then you get a higher payout but of course the risk is if you don't you live play long the enough, odds. right, you're playing the odds. <laughs> um, I'm probably, you know, I'm, I'm still a ways off, but I'm probably going to take the middle. I'll just take the hundred percent, not that's the discount. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think that I can use that people, money now that, right, exactly. to get ready. Some things ready. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm going to be six, uh, 66 next year, right? And uh, I'll take my Social Security. Part of my Medicare is going to come out of my Social Security. That's how they pay, how they you pay it. for okay. it. Got it. It's going to be about $132, you know, uh, a month yeah. for that. Let me tell you what's good about Social for Medicare. Medicare has, I, you know, I'm paying about the same amount for my uh, health care through Salem as I will through the government. However, right. with Salem, I have a $6,000 deductible. With federal government, it's two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, uh, Medicare is actually not a bad insurance. It's an insurance plan. It's not a bad insurance. You Plus, know, you get a supplemental. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you have to get a supplemental. And, and it's, you, it's smart. And, and yeah. I'm getting that. That's yeah. that's the big the big right. thing you got to sign on Wednesday. And right. by doing that, uh, then whatever is not paid by Medicare, this picks it up. Right. And I will pay nothing then. Right. 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 So that's the way. Guess what? That's the way insurance is supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. I called uh, my doctor um, the other day to make an appointment for a physical, and I'm not going to mention his name now because I'd like to get back in touch with him. I left two messages for him, but you'll love this story. So they say, oh, what's your name? They look me up. Oh, yeah, we got you here. What's your insurance? I tell them the insurance. It's United. It's through the university. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, we're not taking any new patients with United. And yeah, I, said, I remember. Right, that, that, I told you this off the air. And, and they said, I said, you just look me up. I'm not a new patient. And so the woman says to me, without missing a beat, and it's quite remarkable how bureaucrats, even in private practice, act. Oh, well, if you haven't seen us within three years, then you're a new patient. And I said to her, actually, no, it doesn't. Like the words actually still mean something. Yeah. And you just look me up. So I'm not a new patient. And so actually, you know, I mean, it's uh, the, the doctor's a very nice doctor, Kevin Hagel. And I left actually two messages for him. So I may now that we're talking about it, I may either call him again or uh, or send him a letter because, uh, Kevin, uh, I need to hear from you. <laughs> because that's not that's not how medicine works. Uh, you know, uh, you're my doctor. You're supposed to show up and do your job. And some bureaucratic hack in your office is acting as a roadblock. And I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of hacks. You're thinking you're dealing with politicians or yeah, something. Yeah, pure hacks. You know, Speaking of hacks and politicians, you guys know what tomorrow is, don't you? Yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah, it's also runoff day. Oh, oh yeah. It is. I got to yeah, go vote. Po- I got to go vote. Polls are back open again. That's right. In both now, that's, this is not only in Pulaski County, they're open again up in uh, um, Lone Oak County in Cabot because they're deciding who the mayor is going to be there. Mm. Yeah, so the mayor in Cabot, the mayor in Little Rock. Yeah, big, big uh, elections tomorrow, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The one in Cabot's going to be interesting because the incumbent in the primary got the second most amount of votes, not the most. I also understand that there's one in White County, too. Yeah, in Searcy. In Searcy. Kyle Reeves running for mayor up there. So he's in the runoff up there. He's kind of the outsider running. 
against uh, kind of the good old boys up there. I'm hoping that he wins. The Maverick versus the uh... the establishment. It'd be interesting if Kyle wins. I bet you we get the first interview. Bet you that happens. Almost too. guaranteed that you'll get the first yeah, interview. Yeah, it is. It's almost guaranteed. If nothing else, he'll be call great. in and go, "I told you." Yeah, he didn't have to tell me nothing. I knew he had a good shot. So it's going to be interesting if he can just break that stranglehold uh, that the good old boy clubs have had up there. You know, they they worked that out so that they made it nonpartisan. In other words, they voted it in so that you didn't know who the liberal was. That's what they did. So you couldn't know who was a Republican and who was a Democrat. Well, see, I thought mayoral races were supposed to be nonpartisan, weren't they? Everywhere I've ever been, it was a Republican running against Democrats. It's always been that way. Except but, for here in Little Rock, where it's Democrat versus Democrat versus Democrat versus, versus Democrat. Democrat. Yeah, there were what, four or five Democrats all running. You just picked your favorite flavor of liberal. <laughs> you know, who do you think is going to win tomorrow? I don't know who is going to win. I Curris know who Scott. I hope will win. Who do you hope wins? Baker Curris. Okay. I think it's going to be Scott. Do you? Yeah. I was surprised. Uh, what was the name of the guy who was also in the be. race? I thought he was going to be in the front of the race. The other guy? Uh, Curris? No, no. The guy who oh, didn't make Saban? it to the run. Saban. I thought Saban was going to do well. About I Saban. was surprised that yeah. he got he got pretty well spanked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was up did. with that? He got it handed to him really good. Maybe people remembered issue three. <laughs> what was issue three? He and John Wood wrote issue three. You remember that? I don't know. What, yeah. It was, uh, of course, a uh, initiated act from the uh, legislature right. that named about seven different things in it. Oh, jeez. Uh, like, uh, we'll, we'll, dev- we'll put together this committee that will determine how much legislators are supposed to make. Oh, I do remember that. Okay, That's right. Uh, and, then, and then it wasn't term limits part of that? Yeah, that we right. already had term limits, right. but, and they, but they, they made came it up with say, a new formula. Yeah, for right, term right. limits and all of that. And I still can kick myself in the butt because because issue one this time got knocked off the ballot for the reason that I thought issue, issue three, three should have been knocked off. And I didn't. Right. I I could have gotten you somebody yeah, to run that for me right. and uh, said you can only use one, one thing in there. Right. And they had about five. Yeah. And I was told directly by two supreme court justices if you had done it yeah it would have never would made never it made to the ballot yeah. Yeah. and i just yeah well next time, Russ, i tell you, know. you i yeah. talk i talk about that from time to time and yeah. it's like one of the greatest stupidities of my right. time on the air here in uh, central arkansas right. right should have challenged it right right which goes to saying the guy says well my vote ain't going to make a difference and your candidate that you would have voted for loses by one vote right Right. And that's happened. Right. That's, that, that's happened. Right. We've had some very close elections this year uh, in state elections that, I mean, it came down to, you know, a hair's breadth right. on that. Right. Speaking about uh, elections, speaking about the this, this state legislature, we will be at the Capitol every day, Monday through Friday, covering the 91st, I think it is, or maybe 92nd, 91st or 2nd, uh, General Assembly. Session. Yeah, that's All great. Right. We'll that's be fantastic. in there. It'll be, what, the third that we've had the uh, control of the House and the Senate. Yeah, well, I'll be there. 
Yeah, well, we'll I know you will. If indeed. you're going to be on my show, you'll indeed. be there. Right. Well, that's it. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> but we'll be, be and we'll be talking about uh, legislation, and maybe yeah. I'll go and testify on some things too. We'll yeah. see. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I'll It'd come be back interesting and report back. You come back and, yeah. and tell us what was it like. Yeah. Is is I was looking at the um, the committee meeting um, uh, uh, committee meetings, and I don't know. I don't believe I saw Jet as a chairman of any committees which i would love just because the guy is such a pompous butt i mean he really is mm-hmm. i don't uh, know yeah well see you haven't i played a part uh, a, a piece of audio from a guy who was in fr- on in front of one of his committees and he was asking uh some questions of the c- committee as he was talking and and jet got irritated with him yeah Want him just kind of sit down and shut up? Yeah, yeah. And and basically said, "I'll I'll throw you out of this meeting room." Right, right, you know, right, it was right. just just a typical. Uh, this guy is more uh, how should we say uh, liberal than he is conservative. Yeah, yeah. And even though he runs now, I think he runs as a Republican. Republican yeah. Uh, he used to be a Democrat, and so that, that's kind of interesting. Now I I'm going to have a meeting. Thursday with Doyle Webb, chairman of the Republican Party, and right. I can't, I can't release some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But if some of the stuff that he has said uh, that we shared come fruition, going to be a different Republican Party as far as how they carry stuff. Yeah, it yeah. will be very. Very interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, Dave, the last session I was out of state, and I still fought against these attempts. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, successfully to, to kill. Uh, I fought successfully to, uh, against the attempts to kill our FOIA. Yes. And uh, so, you know, if anybody tries to drop a bill now that is going to uh, attack our FOIA, uh, not only will I continue to be on your show as I was, I'll be down at the legislature. Sixteen uh, bills have already been filed. Is that right? Yeah. Is that right? Well, there, there'll be more. There'll be oh, more. Exactly. Yeah, about 2,000 more. That's right. More. That's right. Uh, I remember when we, uh, the, the great lieutenant governor uh, was also fighting against these attacks on the FOIA, and he uh, he wrote me and he said, Rob, Rob, we need you to come down, because uh, he didn't realize I hadn't told him yet. Uh, um, I said, I'm in New York, my friend. And he said, oh, I didn't realize. I didn't realize. Uh, but uh, we're working with uh, all the folks that we need to, to make sure that any attacks on the FOIA, they're not going to get slipped in. Uh, that's not going to happen by accident. And and these bureau hacks that uh, work across this uh, government uh, who want to basically change the law so that they can sit around uh, drinking their Mai Tais with their feet up on their desks and their flip-flops and go home at 4.15 uh, and have less work to do because they don't, have to, they don't want to have to respond to requests from citizens that listen to your show, Dave. We're not going to let it happen. We're not paying all of these egregious amount of tax dollars for these bureau hacks to sit around uh, uh, playing... Um, and take away transparency. Yeah, and take away transparency on top of it. Not going to happen. Yeah. Not going to happen. I agree with you. I agree. Okay, here's... We, we, we need to uh, publish a lexicon for Robert. Yeah. Of all the words that he's come up with so far. He's got some good ones. I, I, bureau I, hacks. I bureau hacks that. are exactly that. That's the deep state. That's what Trump talks about when he says deep state. That's exactly what people the deep state is. they get a a job. So we and, get two books out of one. Yeah, we get a lexicon dictionary, and then we get an encyclopedia thesaurus. Yeah, I kind of like that. That's there good. Go. There you go. I just want ten percent of the take. 
Okay. Uh, so uh, always skimming off the top. What, what, what are you? What are you? The government? Yeah. Always yes, every time I, I turn around, the government's skimming something yeah, off the top. They do you know? always. All right. First two uh, paragraphs from today's story from Hunter Field: proposals to dissolve the General Assembly's biennial fiscal session, make several changes to the state's voting system, and fight bullying are included in legislation that has been pre-filed since mid-November for the upcoming legislative uh, session. State lawmakers have filed 16 bills and three potential ballot measures, ballot measures already, uh, since the uh, pre-filing period for the 2019 legislative session opened November 15th. And by the way, it is the 92nd General uh, Assembly. All right, let's take a break. Don't forget about the clean home guarantee. Ladies and some of you guys, I understand that uh, the last thing you want, some plumber to come in. Don't put on the booties. Don't do anything like that. Comes comes in there, drags a bunch of trash in from the outside on their, on their uh, uh, you know, shoes, does the work on your uh, plumbing, uh, gets all kinds of dirty water on the floor and things of that nature, and then don't clean up after themselves. Well, you know, that's never going to happen with Arrow Plumbing. Uh, aeroplumbing.net or just google aeroplumbing you can get all the contact information for them because they have the clean home guarantee they guarantee that their expert will clean up uh, clean up after himself and leave your home clean or they'll send a professional to clean your entire home that's what sets, sets them apart that's aeroplumbing.net Aero. Plumbing. Well, Sonny's Auto Salvage, you know, I've been talking about them for quite some time and uh, from a very personal uh, place here in the last uh, couple of years because I've been using Artie's business a lot. Uh, Sonny's Auto Salvage has replaced a couple of transmissions, a couple of engines for me, Uh, you know, a, a back tail light. All kinds of things, and uh, you know, for the uh, Corolla we've got, I've put my son-in-law in touch with RD, and they're looking uh, for a bumper, front bumper. They got a little bit of a, a ding they want to get fixed on that, bring the car up, make it look better. And Sunny's Auto Salvage is your number one choice for recycled auto parts because what you get is you get parts off of a total lost vehicle. It's been in an automobile crash; it can't be driven anymore, but still. Most of the parts on the car are still in good shape. So what they do is uh, RD goes out to the auto auctions and buys these cars, and then they pull all the parts that are reusable off of them, check them, make sure they're working well, and then they'll put them on uh, your car and give you a great warranty for the part as well. That's Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. You do the same thing that I do. Let me give you the number I call when I need a part. I mean, right now, RD's looking for me uh, for that little, looks like a a little tiny fish fin that's on the top of your your car. And I didn't realize that, but that's where uh, you pick up your satellite radio and your regular radio. And my regular radio had been been terrible here the last year well i know i knew that we i had a little bit of problem with that piece i did not realize that my regular radio was the part that uh, was up there 
I thought it was that stuff you see around your windshield, and it's not. I'll tell you what that's for in a second, but the bottom line was found out what it was, and now Artie's looking for a new part for me to put on my car, and instead of spending a couple of hundred dollars, I bet I've spent under a hundred dollars. I'll save a lot of money just getting my, I'll tell you, I, I had that uh, transmission put in, and instead of five grand, it cost me $2,300. That's a big difference. <laughs> $2,700? It's a huge, huge difference. So uh, you use Sunny's as well. 982-7451. That's the magic number. 982-7451. Now that stuff that's around my windshield, I didn't even know I had this. Dave realized at this point when he was talking to Joe last week, his last initial should be A and not E. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, D-A, not D-E. I get it? Uh, Well, he just said my... Initial should be D A and not D E, because well, because I'm I'm a dummy at some ah. things. I thought that that was my antenna. Yeah, what is it? At one time, it those were antennas, yeah. but they're not anymore. I've got automatic windshield wipers. Haven't known it ever since I've owned the car. Uh, <laughs> you don't necessarily have automatic windshield wipers, but there are cars out there that do, and they're water sensors. They're, yes, they're that's what they sensors. are, and they turn right? it on. Yeah, is they turn right? your. They'll turn. See, he didn't know I either. Didn't know about so that. back. Back there, big boy. Well, look, I didn't know either, but I'm not the one who's going to stick my neck out there on the <laughs> on the chopping that. block and say, oh. That's funny. I like to stick my neck out, though. All right. A break. The folks from Conduit News up next. All right. Let's get back to it. Final hour of a Monday show tomorrow. Power panel will be on. And the Bible guys. Bible guys will be talking some more about Hanukkah and Robert. I know. I've been watching you. You've been eyeing my uh, menorah. It's a nice there. menorah. Very it's, nice it's menorah. Good, good looking up there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. All you right. Got to light the candles, though, Dave. Those aren't just for show. You got to light them, and then you got to go down to that corner. What's that over in Bowman or something? Yeah, Bowman and Bowman yeah. and Chanel. Yeah, and they yeah. got the big uh, menorah yeah, there. Yeah, Rabbi Cement and Rabbi Pape uh, from the uh, Chabad House uh, light that. I'm going to give every them a night. call tomorrow. See if I can get one of them to yeah. stop by on the show. Yeah, they're both great. They'd love yeah. to, I'm sure they'd love to come talk to you. Good piece. Yeah. You think they play in a little bit of the uh, dreidel with me and maybe oh, I can absolutely. win some guilt, some well, chocolate. Exactly. That's a gambling game. <laughs> Be careful. You might lose. That can happen. All right. There you go. Who, who is our caller here? Zizi is with us and she got a question for you, Robert. You're going to have to put, make sure you get your headphones. I got my headphones you got them on? on. Yeah. All right. Zizi, how are you? Welcome to Hi, the Dave Ellsworth Show. Hi, look at Zizi Cement. Um, okay. That's the You're rabbi's daughter, by the way. Yeah. That, that's the, the Chabad rabbi's daughter. So, uh, Zizi, your, your dad needs to come on and talk on the radio about Hanukkah. I'll tell him that you said that. Okay. All right. What are you going to um, tell us about Hanukkah? I have a question for you. You were talking about gun violence before, and I was wondering what you would say the next step that our country as a whole has to take to stop all these mass shootings that have become so inevitable that another one is going to happen. We just had Pittsburgh and Thousand Oaks, and they just keep on coming up again. It's a great question, ZC. Uh, uh, the, the, there's no solution. There's no ultimate solution. But one solution is, or one way to at least address some of these problems, is to allow law-abiding citizens to carry firearms uh, so that they can offer protection to themselves and those who are around them. Ed Monk, who was on this show earlier today, discussed how, for the most part, uh, the cops are only able to show up after a mass shooting is completed. Uh, and so we will be better off when our Kansans, uh, law-abiding our Kansans, 
Jansen's uh, carry firearms are well trained by people like Ed Monk uh, uh, and they have their concealed carry and their enhanced concealed carry and they can carry in places like the Chabad house like your local church um, like the capital uh, and elsewhere that doesn't mean that we will be free from all danger nor does it uh, mean that there won't necessarily be an accident by a good guy you know the left are just waiting for that to occur Uh, but on the whole uh, and this is an empirical question we will be safer uh, as more law-abiding Americans and more law-abiding Arkansans uh, support uh, and fulfill the desires of the founders relative to the Second Amendment Um, would you agree that the screening process for who can carry a gun needs to up its game? There are certain aspects, as we know, uh, uh, that uh, have always been an issue um, in terms of uh, having people on like no-fly lists, and if they're on a no-fly list, why are, they, why are they still entitled to carry a gun? And there is an answer for that, and that is they're still entitled to due process. But we do need to establish quicker and better procedures to reconcile those differences so that we can ensure that if someone is on a no-fly list and belongs on a no-fly list, Whatever basis there was for that to happen uh, could be brought to bear on consideration of whether the person should be entitled to get a concealed carry license. Got it. All right. Okay. Thank you for Thank answering. you for Thank the call. You, we appreciate it. Thank you. You too. Happy Hanukkah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I want some guilt. Exactly. That's what I want. Uh, All right. Joining uh, us over on line one is the good folks from Conduit News, conduitnews.com. Brenda and Joe are here. Thanks, Brenda. Thanks, Joe, for giving uh, Robert a few moments to answer that listener's question. We've got some interesting things to talk about. Interesting story uh, published on uh, ConduitNews.com's website saying that the state of Arkansas has moved, from, I believe, from 39th to 46th as far as state taxes going. Now, what that means is the the higher the number is, the worse your tax system is in the state. So we're like four from being the worst in the United States. Did I read that correctly? That is correct. Yes. Uh, only Connecticut, and now currently only Connecticut, New York, California, and New Jersey have higher tax uh, situations or, you know, status than we do. That's remarkable. Uh, I, of course, I've lived in New York, but we know that Connecticut, New York, California, New Jersey are the most left states and with the highest tax burdens in that we're, we're fifth after those four seems unbelievable to me. I was just having... Well, this is from the Arkansas... Uh, this is from the National Group, the Tax Foundation. Yeah. They did see our article that was, was published originally and said that our number, quoting their information, uh, they had changed the ranking or the, uh, the way that they did the reporting and changed us. Uh, last year, we were 39th initially, but since they changed their scoring methods, we were 43rd wow. last year. So we've gone, we were told, from 43rd uh, to 46. But wow. we're still 46. And, you know... Um, yeah, all, all these guys that are, you know, hey, you can't throw a Hail Mary every time. You can only get five yards at a time, or they want to bend the curve or move the needle. Yeah, yeah all, all these so euphemisms. All of them is, well... Any of that you're doing, you're going the wrong way. Yeah, that's that's remarkable. I, I, I had lunch with a, a, a friend of mine this weekend, 
And I said, plain and simple, you know, these conduit folks are right. We pay too much in taxes. And when people say to me, oh, but we want to do this and we want to do that. Um, and uh, my response is, we can't do it all. And my friend said to me, well, you know, people are going to call you mean and, and, and uh, not compassionate. I said, fine, guilty. Say whatever you want. I'll take it. Where do I need to sign? As long as uh, that admission will allow you to reduce my taxes, which are at a point that it is ridiculous. So at some point, we have to say people are entitled to earn their money, and uh, we can't solve every social ill through taxation. Well, it it appears to me that any of us, um, me in particular, I, I could probably be the nicest guy that you'd ever want to know if I had somebody else's money and unlimited supply to spend and to give people stuff, I could be well liked and, and you know, really nice. But that's not the point. The point is to be an adult. It's real easy to spend other people's money, right? That I sent out of a, a Breitbart article to Dave this afternoon uh, where one of the, we would call a legislator or senator or whatever in France, is saying, um, um, He's looking to speed up planned tax cuts and cuts to public spending in response to the riots. So maybe they cave a little bit to people being mean. You know, usually you get there. What are you saying, Brenda? We need to light (laughs) cars on fire in Little Rock at the Capitol? Is that what you're saying? That's what has to happen? Well, I mean, that takes gasoline, so it might be too, you know, a little too extreme to spend gasoline like that after we see that the prices are going to go up. Yeah, it's your answer, Dave. Well, you know what my answer is. I, I don't. I, I think the worst uh, thing that any person, uh, Republican say is that it's revenue neutral, because that always that always tells me wherever they're making a cut, they're raising it somewhere else. That's the only way you can be revenue neutral. And we've talked. I've talked about this on the air many, many times. I've talked about it. Over at the state capitol while they've been meeting, I've asked legislators about it, and uh, it's as if they're tone deaf when it comes to it. Yeah, something that you'll see on, uh, for those of your listeners who actually watch the Conduit News uh, uh, broadcast uh, in the mornings, uh, they'll see, I think on the board tomorrow, red talk, blue action. Now think about that for just a minute. When I when I'm seeing these the, the leadership in the Arkansas legislature prepare for this next session, you'll and, and I saw them during the campaigns and what they said, it's red talk but blue action. Well it's you know, the, true. The action is putting us right in the middle of the blue state operating processes i mean we operate just like a blue state just look at the map you know the election map after uh, november 2018 election and you see all these blue fringes and then the red mass in the middle in arkansas you know like joe said red rhetoric blue results you know here's what i think happens here in arkansas you guys correct me if if you think i'm wrong Somewhere along the lines, there is this disconnect amongst the voter uh, of the Republicans. As long as the legislature is predominantly socially pushing conservatism, there's some reason they're not picking up that the government is not, they say tax cut, but you can still see tax increases and 
it doesn't compute. Just because they're being on one side, they're being conservative, they get kind of a free ride on the other side. Does that make sense? I think for most voters, the the time they have to allocate to understanding what the, the people they vote for are saying or to vet it is just not there. Uh, at some well, for example, we'll probably end up having a special uh, election for a bond issue in Fayetteville in, uh, um, just before summer. Okay. Or maybe right as summer starts when there's the least amount of people engaged. And they're going to want to raise, let's say, $200 million in, in bonds, which we've all learned instead of saying bonds, you should say future tax burden. But future tax burden, they're going to vote on in a special election. If it doesn't now, pass, we'll have another one in October. That's right. So, that's a good point. But I think the average voter, and I understand this, whether it's twenty million or two hundred million, they don't really think about how much money that is. It's just the cause, whatever the cause might be that is sold for this money, is it worthy or is it not worthy? And then give them whatever number somebody says that it's going to take to make that happen. They don't know two hundred million from two hundred billion. I mean, they know it intellectually, but they don't think about it and put it in context and say that is just way too much. You know, two hundred million dollars for bike trails when we've got streets that you know two cars can't pass on it. You know, people that just don't do that until one day when you get like France and you well, have uh, you know ambulances, ambulance companies who haven't had an increase in 28 years, and yet we're going to increase your fuel fuel rates 25 percent. Suddenly, well, well, they shut down the motor. But at those crisis points, I believe all that's important to the legislators that want to be reelected is how to place blame or how, how to justify what is going on to do the next thing they want. And the it's other, really workable. And, and, Joe, the other thing is a tax increase for the most part. Now I'm not saying I'm not using a broad brush and saying all, but for most is incrementally small. It's kind of being the frog in the, in, in the water and they got the flame on and you're cooking. You just don't realize it until it's too late. Yeah, we we had the opportunity the end of last week for two days, Joe and I did personally, to go on like a six-city or, if you want to call them, town tour of Arkansas areas to, you know, kind of get a temperature as to our supporters, what they think about how Conduit's doing. And we talked to over 65 people in that opportunity. It was, uh, you know, rather uh, intense, but it was great. And I remember one lady saying, uh, because we would ask people, well, you tell us, what are the issues? And Joe mentioned, you know, I think we're good with the social issues. What do you think? And he gets this resounding affirmation, yes, Arkansas should. But uh, so we didn't try to, you know, set the narrative, but said, what are you concerned about? All of them told us taxes. And one lady says, you know, families are in danger and they're moving out. And I said, surely not, because Charlene Fike said they're going to move in. I mean, you know, so families are moving out of Arkansas because of the tax burdens. And, you know, it's getting real. People people know this, Dave. I hope Little Rock knows it. Well, if they don't, that's the way you get a change in power, thinking you'll get something different from the other side, when, in fact, you may get worse. You know what I'm saying? I 
I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Joe, I'm as, as, as befuddled by a lot of this as you are, but I think you're on to it as well when you say people don't have the time uh, to have this stuff given to them in such a way that they can internalize it and make sense of it all. And, and for for my money, I would just assume have a vehicle in which people can learn if they want to, and if they so choose to have a high tax state and and you know welfare for all, and you know that's fine as long as they're not being misled to get there. That's right. Which is the problem that we're fighting is our own team is misleading them and then complaining about the division in the party. All right, you Which, guys. You know, I could oh, go ahead. About the division of the party too, but you know, if everybody agreed with me and with Joe, with us, there'd be no division. I'll, you know, we stand on the platform. <laughs> who's dividing? Right. Yeah. Like I told you, I think last week or so, I, uh, it said often around the house that uh, you know I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. All right. It's a Dave Ellswick show. We got to get a break here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, don't forget about my good friends, Applied Research. They still are looking for people to qualify as participants in their clinical research studies that they're doing, which explores the safety and effectiveness of an uh, investigational drug uh, for parents, uh, or not parents, patients with diabetes, uh, acne, asthma low testosterone i'm still waiting for my phone call should we get my phone call about that because i'm going to get into that particular uh, study kidney stones and others uh all you have to do is go this is really easy go to arc arkansas it's one word arc arkansas.com or call them at 501-954-7822 answer some questions see if you qualify and if you do you're in. You make some money while you're doing it. You may take the drug. You may take the sugar pill, so to speak. But you'll be part of a important test to make sure that these drugs are ready to hit the market. That's over at Applied Research. Again, ARCarkansas.com or 501-954-7822. Our guest as uh, normal in the last hour of the Dave Ellswick Show on a, mo- a Monday conduit news is with us conduitnews.com or listen every morning right here on uh, of course uh, 101.1 fm the answer and here the paul harrell show which is the conduit news uh, radio version of their magazine and hear the important topics that are being talked about monday through friday 6a to 8a and right now, Brenda and Joe are with us. We're running out of time, guys. We're down to 45 seconds. When we come back, moving away from taxes a little bit, what else would you like to talk about today? Uh, well, we want to talk about, you know, unity in the party because I think it's the unity that will keep us from having the tax burden that we're you know, potentially facing. Okay, that sounds good. We'll get right to it when we come back. Robert Steinbach is here in the studio. He, of course, is a law professor over at Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and do not reflect that of the School of Law or UALR. And, of course, Brendan and Joe are with Conduit News. And you can visit them at conduitnews.com. Or, again, Paul Harrell Show every day, Monday through Friday, from 6A 
to 8 a.m. All right, back with you and also with us from up in northwest Arkansas from uh, Conduit News, conduitnews.com, Paul Harrell's show Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. is uh, Brenda and Joe, who are the people behind uh, Conduit News, and it's good to have them on today. Also in the studio, Robert Steinbach is with us as well, and uh, we're going to change up our topic to unity. How do we find unity even though one part of the party sees maybe big government in you know more loving terms than another part of the of the party is that how you're 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 viewing this uh, Brenda well, well to me the way I would characterize it is you know, we want to be able to agree on reality for any understanding between any two parties there's got to be some base level of reality that's agreed upon like you know gravity <coughs> there's gravity or there's not gravity uh, you know something even that simple and what what we have tried to do and we thought would be helpful uh, evidently it's maybe a little more complicated than that but it is not relative is what is the truth you know what was said what do words on a piece of paper mean and what we do at Conduit is try to, as best we understand it, bring the truth about what happens and what people have done or said to the people. And we try to do it in depth, you know, to a depth that makes it the context all seem to connect. And we, we do that in plain talk. I think some of the problems occur when we expose language that has been intentionally misleading. Yeah, sometimes we do that exposure with a sharp edge, as, as you've said in the past. Well, well, that sharp edge, sure, you know, or, or a dull bat. I mean, whatever it is, I mean, argue with what we say, not with how we say it. We're not trying to get elected to anything. Argue about the facts we present. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah, have we done everything right and been... Uh, you know, extremely pleasant about everything we've ever done. Probably not, but that's irrelevant. We're, when you talk about government growing larger than the people, and who's doing it, and I want my liberty back, and I'm going to get it, and so are the people that support conduit. We're we're out to get our liberty back. And so the article you you ask us about, you know, basically says uh, the Republican, uh, big government Republicans, tax and spend politicians expect your undivided loyalty no matter what they do. And, uh, you know, to go into our local county committees and demand that, and if you're not on board with supporting us in our expanding government policies, then you're not a united part of the party. You need to, you're dividing us. And, uh, you know, we would like to take the position that, no, you're dividing us. I mean, you know, agree with us and we can be unified. Well, one of the things, Dave, I think you'll remember is that SB 96 of, what, 2015? Uh, I mean, Senator Hendren is sitting there belying the facts on the piece of paper that says his bill ends Medicaid expansion. And it was just not so. But he'll, to this day, still claim that it is. How does the average person understand 
what that divide is. We had a, um, a, a person in, in a group that we were talking about that bill with the last few days that, that we referenced earlier, and he said, well, you know, that was just a matter of, of how you see it and how you understand it. And I had to correct this gentleman, I'm not meaning to be rude or anything, but you can either read or you cannot. And that bill was titled one thing, and the, the meat of the bill had one goal, and that was to expand, continue and to expand Medicaid expansion in Arkansas. And you see that that was the consequence of it. Well, now, yeah, how many times do we have to be proven right to get over this stuff? But that, that young man still believes that maybe that was just our interpretation, which made me very sad because I believe that man's capable of reading. You know, guys, I think this is really an issue. I've seen this. Regarding the Freedom of Information Act, you get these politicians, they propose a bill that will gut the FOIA, and they'll say, that's not what it says, and that's not what it means, and my response is quite simple. I can read English. I can read English. And so, don't tell me that. There's one of two explanations for why you keep telling me that it says what it doesn't say. One, you can't read. You're incompetent. Or two... You're a liar, and you're trying to pull the wool over my eyes. I, I said before you guys got on the radio, by analogy, I'd call my doctor's office, and the, and the bureau hack said to me, oh, I'm sorry, we're not taking new patients. I said, you just looked up my name. I'm in your system. How am I a new patient? Oh, well, you haven't been here in three years, by the way, because I was taking care of my ill mother. Um, you haven't been here for three years, so that makes you a new patient. And my response was, no, it doesn't. Because those words actually mean something. New patient means you couldn't look me up in your system as you just did. And this is the kind of nonsense that we deal with all the time with these politicians. But with the politicians, it's either a lie or incompetence. Well, now, you must have been, Robert, you must have been eavesdropping a few years ago with a conversation I had with Nate Bell and Mina. Because... <laughs> he, he accused me of not being able to read, and, and once again, I, I, you know, we were proven right. But it still doesn't stop them from repeating whatever works, no matter if they're exposed or not. They'll still repeat the same thing because most people will accept it at face value because they're a veteran or because they're a doctor or well, whatever they are. Your state, we're going to admit our state senator would actually lie to us. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a hard, a hard admission. And so this young man still, this many years later, still believes that this was just a mis, you know, a different interpretation. Oh, oh they keep word. repeating it. They keep repeating it. Uh, and I hate to keep coming back to this analogy, but it's so hilarious. During the break, this, some bureaucrat from the doctor's office called me and repeated the same thing. Well, you're a new patient, right? It's the same nonsense. And we saw this with the FOIA. You guys were on the right side of the FOIA issue when we were fighting these attacks on the FOIA last time. And, and these, bureau, these um, politicians were telling us, no, that's not what this bill does. I can read. And as I've said before, I think even today, I said, listen, I'm an expert on one law. There may be a million laws in this country, and I'm an expert on only one of them. Don't use that one as the one to challenge my understanding. Pick any other one. So that's what Bob Ballinger, you know, thought he would intimidate me by telling me that I did not know the law in that arena. 
And, I mean, nothing could be further from reality to imply that he did. Yeah. And he was doing one of two things that you just described before when he yeah. was trying to amend that bill by Senator Hester. That's right. And, um, you know, I hope That's right. that you're able to keep those people from even filing those kind of bills this session. What do you think? Robert? I hope so. We're going to be on them like like a, a tick on a, on, a, on a dog, let me White tell you. on right. Yeah, we're going to be right on them. Uh, Dave had uh, 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 me and Ballinger debate the issue uh, two years ago on yep. the air, uh, and that bill went down uh, like like a burning kamikaze. Uh, and so, uh, but let me tell you, the University Council uh, came to a recent meeting pushing for the the same bill yeah, again. Yeah, they haven't they haven't given up. Oh no, they've got a metal cup in their hand and they're scraping it against the bars, uh, asking for uh, asking for whatever more more food, please. You know, they're like, what's the name of that character? Oliver. Oliver, exactly. You know, but but uh, we're just going to give them a, a big uh, heaping pile of gruel uh, because they're not. It's just bureaucrat upon bureaucrat looking for a handout on how to do less work, and unfortunately, some of the politicians are in cahoots with these bureau hacks uh, looking to make their lives easier and also make sure that there's not exposure of some of the events that have gone on. Listen, we, re- we read the, uh, the the Dem gas. We saw what went on with a number of state senators and, and representatives, right? People going to jail. Yep. Let me tell you, going to jail. And what's going to jail about? About illegal behavior that that is being hidden from the public. How do you expose that? Freedom of Information Act. So don't go passing laws that are explicitly designed to hide the very information uh, that would protect those criminals. So I'm hopeful, Brenda, that we'll be successful in keeping them off uh, from even introducing these bills. But if not, uh, the two of you folks and I are going to be down there testifying, along with Joey McCutcheon and a lot of other good... Uh, um, Arkansans. Pro, yeah, Arkansans. Pro-FOIA Arkansans. Plain and simple. So do you guys have any doubt on where he stands on this? Yeah, where, where I stand on the floor. <laughs> Brenda, where do you think I am on the floor? I mean, like, you know, if a lawyer who doesn't practice law wants to tell me that I don't know the law, I am a lawyer who does practice law. I would like for the public to become more educated. I told you that the, the, the PR person from the university. The PR person from the University of uh, uh, of uh, Arkansas, who's a lawyer, has a law degree, um, when we d- debated uh, the FOIA issue, said to me, well, we have a difference of opinion. And my response was, by the way, aptly, yes, and my opinion, quote unquote, is, right. is the right one. <laughs> uh, so, and, and now, Robert, I did not mean you when I said did not practice law. Oh, no, no, no. I know. I practice law. So that's not, so I'm I certainly have Bob no Ballinger, doubt. I'm who does not practice, and I have a problem with all legislation attorneys writing laws pretending they practice law and yeah. I, you know I'm really being I'm not being mean here I am being clear yeah 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 and no. now I think we need to examine those uh, bills that that change laws more aggressively than we would uh, those just from legislators who that's aren't right. lawyers that's right and and there's you know, some, on a lighter note I've, I've been looking for quite some time for a doctor or a lawyer that's not practicing. I, I, I want a professional. I, exactly. You know, nobody pays me to practice what I do. They, they pay for a result. So, well, well, one know, day I'll stop practicing that, and I'll get it down perfect, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I want the person that's already got it down. Exactly. Uh, you know, Robert, the, the, you know, what you brought up uh, generally is, you know, the left can't win. I mean, they cannot win by everybody knowing the truth. 
and then yeah. win in the in the voting booth. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, and that's, I mean, ideas. You know, in, in the voting booth, you, you got to win in the voting booth to have control and power and to, to be able to accomplish anything. And it seems like the left can't win if they tell the truth. Well, I think that sums up a divide in the Republican Party because some in the Republican Party cannot tell the real truth. And, and be elected and get the support of the Republican Party. Well, it's a great point. You know, I, I had um, a conversation a while back with Nate Bell. You mentioned him earlier. I like Nate. I don't always agree with Nate, but I like Nate a lot. Uh, I wish he was still um, uh, serving the public uh, in the way that he did, because I thought overall he was doing an excellent job. Excellent. And a very pro-FOIA advocate, and uh, and I love him for it. But in any event... Nate made a wonderful observation. He said, you know, we better watch out. We, we're taking over the Senate and the House, uh, and we're going to get to a point that there are going to be some Republicans that you're not going to be able to tell the difference between them and the Democrats, not because they're going left, not because they're going right, but when they get power, corruption can seep in. And that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about conservative or, or liberal or socialist. We're talking about upright or some form of corruption. Uh, and these bills, uh, for example, that are uh, designed to undermine the FOIA are just one type of bill of many that are more about bad government than they are about left or right. Well, I, I would agree with almost everything you just said, uh, except I think there is a right and a left. I think there are, are big government progressive Republicans oh, yes. Oh, yes. That, that are winning the day as well as the corruption, and they're not necessarily the same people. Uh, agreed. They're not, not agreed. winning it on the argument that they want big government. Right. They're agreed. winning it on the argument that they want smaller government, and then you watch that, and then you're their enemy when you report they didn't do what they said. Well, and, 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 and yeah, that's a valid point. Odd. You know, I, I, I said earlier on the show, I said, uh, Bill Clinton, I thought, was not a bad president. I'm not sure I'd go so far to say he was a good president, but he wasn't a bad president. And he I was say, not a good president. Right, fair enough. But my point is that... Uh, I give him some credit. I really do. Why? Because he balanced the budget. Because he listened to Newt. Well, fine. You know what? Listen, if you follow a good, uh, if you follow a good idea, I, I'll take it however I can get it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't care who makes that, that, that wonderful hamburger. If it tastes good, I'll have two on Tuesday. All right. right? And so uh, I give him credit for balancing the budget. Uh, and, uh, and I will criticize Republicans when they're overspending. Much like conduit does. No, Agreed. not that you not. We overspend every day, but you yep. get we're criticizing Amen. government overspending, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I what mean, he was saying. Well, that's yeah. right. But yeah. government, everybody Republican, or Democrat, everybody in my house overspends. <laughs> but, you know, they're not forcing me with a gun. Oh well, of there course. you go. We overspending know. We my know money. about you. Okay, we got to get a final break in. Let's do that. Don't forget conduitnews.com. Go to it and read it today. There's a great article there about how we've moved up. And moving up is not the good thing. It is bad as far as the states that tax here in the United States and as well as uh, there's some other stories in there about a, a bus wreck and some other things that they have. I haven't had a chance to read that story, but I have read the one uh, dealing with taxes. And don't forget about Paul Harrell every morning, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back, final uh, small segment here. we got just about four minutes remaining here on the Dave Ellswick Show for a Monday. Joe and uh, and Brenda, are you guys starting to get yourself fired up and get ready for the uh, session that starts on January 14th? 
Yeah, I think so. Well, we've, uh, like I said, like Brendan mentioned, we we just spent uh, two days talking to small business people around the state from from here to Jonesboro, and uh, we're, we're getting pretty excited. People really are responding to you know, and and actually, we may think about changing our tagline to you know, conduit the truth about government, uh, because that's what they really appreciate about what we do because they don't get it anywhere else they're, they're darn sure not going to get it from the newspaper yeah i won't i won't deny that that either uh so where do we start where do, where are you all going to start instead of saying where i'm going to start i'm going to start at a when the session begins and what people are uh, filing right now there's 16 bills already been filed for the upcoming 2019 session one of them i'm all excited about they want to get rid of the biennial uh meeting uh you know the uh the equal years basically well uh, can you tell me on that bill does that mean that we just don't pay them odd years i'm hoping that that's what it means I mean, I, I mean, if you're not going, if we're not going to meet now, they're going to say, "Well, we're there for meetings all the time." Well, you can always gin up a meeting somehow. Well, I, I like if they just go home. I would like that. They're doing too much. I always say, whenever they're meeting, I always keep my hand on my my wallet. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the thing about the media, the the, the you know what what is labeled mainstream media it's television reporting and newspaper reporting you know they don't necessarily you know mislead you but they'll just leave out the the real root of the issue at hand yeah key points they're all in favor of what's going on could you imagine a republican majority and a republican constitutional officer slate that does not get hardly any bad press that's kind of interesting in this state. That is interesting. I I I agree. The only way I think that that happens if you're you're playing their song, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Red rhetoric, blue results. Mm-hmm. I like that. That sounds like the title of a new article you should be working on, Joe. <laughs> or, or a country <laughs> western song. <laughs> interesting. You know, I should say that because that's what you're doing, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, the facts speak for themselves, and and again, I couldn't stress enough. If we all can agree on reality, and and let's get the truth out there. If the voters want what they're getting, you know, I can live with that, or I can move to Oklahoma. <laughs> but without getting the truth out there, the deception, I can't abide. Well, here's what I would ask. I just ask for the Republicans to live by the platform which I don't see hardly in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's what we're. That's what our article is about, well, about Republicans being united. And that can be solved easily, and, and one group wants to solve it by changing the platform. Yeah. Another group wants to charge it, change it by changing the people that we elect. Yep. That's the divide. I gotcha. Well, I got to leave, leave both of you go. We'll do it again next Monday. We'll start it at 5, take you up to about 57 of uh, the hour. I appreciate you all coming on. It's always an energetic discussion that we have here. And uh, thanks for being part of Dave Ellswick show. And don't forget, everybody, ConduitNews.com and Paul Harrell with Conduit News every day, Monday through Friday, from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. right here on 101.1 FM. 
uh, the answer. Guys, have a great uh, rest of your evening and the rest of the week. Thank you, Dave and Robert. Bye. Bye bye now. All right. So that uh, wraps up uh, this week's uh, visitation with Joe and and Brenda. And they got some really good points Mm -hmm. that they're trying to to work at and work on. And it's going to be important. You're going to have to understand. You either either sit, sit on the sidelines and let happen whatever happens, or you get and play for one of the teams and try to move one of their ideas forward. That's the way it works. If you're just a fan, you have no say in how it's going to all end up at. Well, we're going to be fighting. We're going to be fighting the bad ideas, I tell you, and pushing the good ones. And we're already talking about the good ideas, and we'll speak uh, more about those as the weeks go by. The session begins January 14th. I, along with a lot of other people, will be there. We're going to be on the third floor up there where the the uh, snack bar is, like we always are. And we look forward to seeing you when you come by. Right now, though, let's take a break. Tomorrow, Power Panel will be on and uh, also the Bible Guys. So, Robert, you have a great evening, and thanks for joining me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. God bless, my friend. All right. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.